Hey folks, you're listening to the Sons of the Preacher Man podcast. And don't worry, relax. It's the best decision you've made since you dropped your kids off at the pool. Mom, I need a wipe! I'm coming! So because it's on Do Not Disturb, you'll have to actually open up the text message. Oh, okay. Oh, crap. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sons of the Preacher Man, episode 16. That's wild. That is wild. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so are you calling him? I'm going to be calling him right now. Everybody, okay. we're going to have a guest today. Would you give him an intro before we actually... Yeah. Before we actually what? Nothing got wet, thankfully. <laughs> It's a tough day. Josiah's having a rough day, and we're we're having technical difficulties. Yep, I got you, brain. Don't worry about it. And and, and, do, and Doctor Pepper down. You know what? That's all right. I'll keep everybody interested. Let's just start this over. <laughs> Let's just give it one more shot since the world's crapping on us. All right, we made it. The Sons of the Preacher Man podcast, sixteen. <laughs> All right. It's wild. It, <laughs> yeah, it's it crazy. Okay. So uh, somehow we finagled it. We got old Patty P on the podcast, Patrick, and a uh, good friend of mine. I'm Josiah, for anyone who doesn't know. Um, <laughs> and we're going to bring him on to just have a chat. So, uh, Patrick, uh, if you want to take it away, tell us what who you are. We, you know, we know that I love you, so... Why should anyone else love you? <laughs> uh, don't know I can give a good answer to that question. But, but as far as uh, the connection, uh, I've known Joe for close to 10 years now uh, as really good friends. And um, I mean, this podcast has a range of topics from just regular things into in the world into things as far as like, you know, problems in the church, things in the church. Um they thought it'd be a good idea for me to come on and talk a little bit about Catholicism and sort of the Protestant Catholic divide and, you know, address a lot of those points. So, why, so that's why, why I'm do here. you know so much I, about um, Catholicism? I guess for, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I have my master's degree is in theology. And so I received that um, at Yale and then my undergrad is in philosophy and religion. So I definitely been way too much of my life looking over all of these different divides and i have a unique um, privileged position of having grown up a baptist and then in college becoming an episcopalian spending a stint in the presbyterian church of america and then converting to catholicism um post-seminary so i have a, a a long journey myself which makes me in a weird way able to see what troubles protestants and what troubles catholics and why conversations aren't usually amicable between the two. So, so it's probably there's a key factor here that I think will blow a lot of people's minds. Uh, and I just want you to know that I think it's awesome too. But like, where did you get your master's of theology? Oh, uh, from Yale University. That shouldn't really blow people's minds. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... I I, I will say, you know, e e even in that range, because um, I started out in a community college, and then I went to a four-year university um, that was just a liberal arts college, and then I went to Yale. So, like, ranging from the three, I can say that, like, Yale was infinitely harder than the previous two. 
But if, you know, if you really want to learn anything and you know how to take full advantage of your, of your university's library and offices uh, that offer certain things like talks and, you know, meet and greets with certain uh, higher up professors that come through and speak at colleges, you can still yeah. learn just as much. You know, well, just they also, yell. They force you to do it, <laughs> so you don't really have a say. Don't they have like a, like a kind of like a Library of Congress there too, where they have like a lot of just information in their library and stuff like that? <clears throat> yeah, so they have um, it's called the Beinecke, um, and basically it's a library that houses really old books. And in fact, they have a uh, Gutenberg Bible in there, um, so one of the first books ever printed. Um, and actually, if you donate a crap ton of money, you can go in there and like turn the page each day so the light decays it at the same rate. But um, they have interesting things um, in there. So that is a, a good resource that smaller universities would surely lack. Because um, when I was in there, for instance, I got to see um, part of Jonathan Edwards' Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, which is a very famous sermon from him. So you could actually hold the pieces he wrote that on and to see his like original thinking um their documents that have the author's notes in the margin so you just have cool access to a lot of things like that so that's definitely um an advantage that yeah. comes with the money that college well, has sure. i just want to express to bo and Braden, you guys can ask questions at any point too because i'm just th- we've already pretty much gone through his intro so if you have questions like what about he just said too like i know bo is a cynic of history and so holding a Jonathan Edwards sermon that he actually wrote himself might be maybe not a point of contention, but you know, he might have questions. I don't know. Do you? Um, not about. Well, well, I want to also say, okay, I got a lot of questions about Drake <laughs> over the previous episode, but I'm going to kind of sprinkle <laughs> well, who in Who wants here. to start? I guess you want to flip a coin for it. I don't know. Well, I mean, I have like a, a less uh, in-depth question to okay. kind of start off. Cause I think Yale, like that's super cool. Um, I'm a high school dropout. So do you feel like somebody that went to a prestigious university and graduated with a master's, do you feel like people should go to, to university or not? Like, what are your feelings about that just generally? Um, okay. So I have a lot of, um, not mixed emotions on this. Like it's a, a nuanced take, I guess, but I do think there's one thing you learn in college uh, or university that is very hard to learn elsewhere. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very hard. And that is the ability to understand how to research. Like the, one of the things university will give you is the tools to really figure out what sources are credible and what sources are not credible when you're, you know, whatever project you're on, wherever you're writing, how to really trust peer reviewed articles, how to really look at analyzation of stats. Cause I mean, even from the political sphere, everyone makes numbers say whatever, and then you find out, oh, we have to look at the specifics of, like, what's the biases of the company that ran these survey stats? What's the biases in the selection of the people they ran it for? And so I think college does get you to a place where you're able to recognize what a credible resource is and what a non-credible one is. Um, But besides that, it really just depends what you want to do, I guess. Like, if you don't I don't think you need it to be successful. In fact, uh, I think oftentimes it can hinder your progress, uh, especially even in my own case. I took out a insane amount of debt. Hit, hit us with that price um, to hit go to university, um, and I and I predominantly worked uh, worked through church jobs, so it's like it's not like I really made capital back on that. So, but if you want to be a doctor, question? you would have hit, hit us. Hit us with that price so, tag, like, I, Hit us. Come on. Well, 
Yep. How much debt? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's it? that I had. I was 80, expecting to hear like three hundred thousand to go to Yale. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, it depends what we're talking about. Yeah, right. I went to Yale Divinity School, which is the theology portion of Yale University. The law okay. school was like quadruple that money. And Yale Medicine is even more money. So Yale has like when people think how much Yale costs, they're actually thinking yeah. about well, like I, I, I would I would have been proud to be in uh, to be yeah. inseminated by Yale too. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer Brady's question, I, I don't think I think if you don't know what you want to do, it is a terrible Agreed. terrible choice to go to college. I think I think unless you're razor focused on what you want to do and you know it needs a degree to be done, which is pre- predominantly going to be fields like doctors, lawyers, stuff, engineers, um, or STEM stuff, right? Like your science, technology, mm-hmm. education. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I, for me, I learned a lot because I had access to the resources. So I do think for theology, you should have some kind of schooling if you want to do anything in theology. I think if you do not, it's very hard um, to have any credible positions ultimately because there's just a lot there. It's hard to exegete words in Koine Greek and Hebrew if like you're not even aware of like the manuscript strain that it comes from and like how does how like how do we know which manuscripts to select over others? So I think for People who want to be ministers, they should go to seminary. Um, but for I mean, most people, uh, you know. And seminary no. sounds um, crazy to me. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bad joke. But, but okay, so, uh, well, uh, it means that it sounds like in insemination. Way? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, so where did, where does, where do you actually go to be in seminary? Or seminary? <laughs> I know that it's. Sounds like a joke, a, but where do you where do you take this insemination? It's a seminary. You did it again. Oh my god! Now, now that it's okay. Um, well, the first okay. the first step is you bend over because yeah, you got to pay for it, right? One, you, you gotta, you one way or another, you're gonna you're gonna have to pay. But in all seriousness, all jokes aside, where can you get seminary? Uh, I mean, there are tons. It depends. Usually, like, your denomination will hold, like, um, which okay. seminaries it prefers you to go. So, for instance, if you're Baptist, you want to go pr- usually to a Baptist seminary. Um, so your pastor or whoever is sort of mentoring you through the ordination process will recommend which seminaries are, like, in that denomination. Um, other churches, uh, they get told which seminaries to go to because if you're going to be, like, a priest— um, the church okay. pays the bill for your education, so you you have less of a say, I think, about which I see. you know seminary. So, you how go much to. is uh, seminary money wise? Like, like uh, it, varies, with a bad one, it varies think. from school to school. Um, like, how much was yours? Uh, I mean, you, well, you can't oh, get. Okay. Well, I don't know. I had some scholarships, so mine's like a, a different number. But I would say, like, no scholarships. Like the cheapest is still going to run you okay. like fifteen twenty thousand right. so a year and, and, for sure. Okay, like, so it's not undoable for even small churches if they got a, some deep pockets. So then, my next question is: Did seminary help you get closer to God, and has your relationship with God, um, at least personally, 
did it did you find yourself drawing closer to him with the more that you learned about uh religion would in could you summarize seminary as learning about a particular denomination religion the insides and outs and you have to stick with the 66 books of the bible and they have to be from the king james print right from the gutenberg translation is any of that correct <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, oh. so you cut out a little bit at the end there, but no, it doesn't have to be like okay. a particular Bible or translations. Like we do study in seminary. Now you probably wouldn't do this at a Baptist seminary, but we do study like yep. uh, the Deuterocanonical text, Apocrypha. which Protestants would call the Apocrypha. So that's going to be um, seven additional books that are in our Old Testament canon that is right. not what? in your Bible, right? So, um, but those book still investors, what are, what are those? And, um, what are those books? Yeah, what are the seven extra books? Oh, that's, that's like Maccabees, uh, Jude. Tobit, uh, Judas, Estrus? um, the book of Esther. So, um, isn't is it just Esther and like Daniel extended or something yep. like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, well, we have a longer version of Daniel. Yes. Uh, and what, have you well. ever tiptoed into the book of Enoch? So, Uh, yes, I have, uh, I read the book of Enoch when I was in high school, surprisingly enough. Uh, and so <laughs> it was a very interesting read. Um, I have had many thoughts on the book of Enoch, I guess to be more specific. I can say this much, right? When we talk about like, what is canon, we'll get into this. Cause I heard you both on the previous <laughs> episode say my canon. And I'm, I was very interested because I'm curious, like, cause the word canon comes from read a read which was used as a measuring device, right? So when we say something is in a canon, that means there's a measurement through which it meets that it is qualified to be in this selection of text. So I'm curious what your canon or read or measuring stick is for your selection. I was very curious you said that. Um, but Enoch, some verses of Enoch are quoted in Scripture, right? Especially in uh, Jude in the New Testament, right? It has lines from Enoch in there. And so my, feel, my feeling on Enoch is the lines that are recited in the new testament are canon in scripture and inspired by god the rest so, of these, yeah, enoch you, is a bit of a hogwash like i'm not saying it can't be educational to some degree but i can't i hear place you. My so trust you just answered uh, the question you had for me my, my canon is anytime the bible references any other books or or any authors or any time frames where there could be an author mentioned whatever the bible bible references those books i would consider my canon like I do consider a lot of the book right now I'm going through, um, listening to a podcast and shout out to them. It's called Christian conspiracy theory. It's a father son deal. And, uh, they're dude, it's, it's wild. Cause to me, it's like, um, it's like game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, like eat your heart out. I love it. And they actually, uh, translate from, um, Greek and Hebrew. They talk about how Hebrew is missing a bunch of vowels. um, and that, or not a bunch, all the vowels. Is that correct? Uh, varies. Well, this whole, this whole movement of being able to pronounce God's name um, and, and like call him by his holy name, we actually don't know because we don't have the vowels. It, would you? Yeah, well, yeah, okay. we, we use the Tetragrammaton. Yes. Okay, for same for Jesus. Yeah. Correct? Jesus' Jesus' name? They think they got his name? Uh, Okay. We're, we're, per, okay. we're pretty accurate. His name is Yeshua. <laughs> I don't think there's much to steal on that Aramaic as far as the pronunciation right? of his Patrick. name. Because um, 
Yeah, because Jesus primarily spoke Aramaic, right? In fact, we have when he's on the cross and he says, um, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Right? We know in in, in the Greek transcripts, right, that line is actually in Arabic itself. So Jesus spoke uh, Aramaic from the cross, and you know, we also know that Jews could read and speak Hebrew. And we also know that they're living under Roman, in Gre- by Greco-Roman rule, so they also are familiar with Greek. So we have... Um, all three languages kind of in a melting pot in first century Palestine here, where we have, they dabble in all languages. And, you know, when you see someone in the New Testament quote from Scripture, like from the Old Testament, they're they're using the Septuagint, right? So we know that that's what they're quoting from. And the Septuagint is a all-Greek um, collection of the Old Testament, and it has the Deuterocanonical, those additional books. Um, and it's in Greek, so we know that they were the, they were reading Greek as well. So there's a lot of uh, and, and then the Septuagint showed up a thousand years before the he, the Hebrew version, right? So the okay, so the original Old Testament was penned in Hebrew, and a lot of those early ones have been lost. And the Septuagint is like if you want to go back to the earliest, we're going to go back to the Septuagint which was a Greek translation from the Hebrew. But we have the same issue in other fields. Like right now, like we don't have, a, and yeah. the originals are called the autodidact. Not the autodidact, sorry. Uh, the autodidact in cell corner. I don't know why. It's autographed. They're called autographs. Um, and so those are the originals. So we don't have even the originals for the New Testament. What we have is the earliest, closest copies of those manuscripts that we can have. So you have kind of the same problem in Hebrew as well. The Septuagint is usually preferable as like the oldest, more reliable sources of the Old Testament. But I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I don't, I wouldn't say I'm confident on that area at all. But I do know that the Septuagint is still generally preferred. And there were a lot of Hebrew translations that translated from okay. the Greek back into Hebrew. Okay, so then, so because the they, they often change, right? The Because they're, they're numbered, right? The Hebrew letters and, or the, because you get a masculine symbol or a feminine symbol, right? Do you, are we treading into dangerous water? Okay. Uh, I, I would okay. not tread okay. too much into those waters here. <laughs> That's going to get really nuanced and we'll spend our okay. whole okay. time like exegeting a word. <laughs> say, so we'll save de- that talk. That's for just fine. Time. Uh, so depending on translation, Nimrod, Old Testament, was he a guy that founded Babylon and these uh, sinful places like Sodom and Gomorrah, or was he a giant hunter in the eyes of the Lord? Yeah, okay. I'm going with the first or the latter. Have you have you been uh, have you been hit with that debate before? Uh, no, but you know I do dabble okay. in a lot of Reddit fears. <laughs> um, I'm familiar with a lot of. I okay. guess what I would call fringe cases. Well, and um, and so, so like my, but um, well, I, well, I have a question for you. I am okay. quite curious, and this is for Brayden too. Would you identify yourselves as Christians, and if so, would you identify yourself as Pentecostal in particular? Apart from like obviously Church of God of Prophecy, that's under the Pentecostal barrier. I'm just curious if you yourselves would say I am a Pentecostal in the sense that I'm selecting this denominational beliefs over the other denominations, or if you're just more of like, I'm a Christian and I just happen to go to a Pentecostal church. I mean, I I would just say like, I would say at the moment, 
probably that I am a Christian, but I don't know. I mean, you heard that last episode where I just kind of was transparent in the sense that I feel like I'm still kind of on a little bit of a journey. I don't know exactly where I sit or where I land. And, and like I told them, and like, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in really what I would consider more of an exploratory area. I think I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, I'm a Pentecostal Christian, Christian hard and fast because that's just, you know, how I was raised or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, that's probably not as direct of an answer as you were looking for, but I think for me, it's more just trying to figure out. That's why, like, I'm totally curious about some stuff you have to say about Catholicism and stuff, but we can get to that later, but no, no, cool. that, that answer actually helps me out tremendously. Um, I know one episode you said I had some secondhand smoke <laughs> when I was talking about things with Joe, but honestly, when you speak, I don't really have many issues with what you say. Unless you claim a right, Christian identity and belief in Christianity, because then I think a lot of like the sort of um, emphasis you put on things or moral focus on things is at odds with the belief system. But if your viewpoint is like, well, I don't really know. I know this is what I want. So I'm just focusing on this. I'll figure this out later. Then that, that doesn't put you at odds. So yeah, that's actually think- like helpful to know in a sense. Right? Like, I wouldn't say like an atheist who is like doing whatever they want to do is like, somehow, you know, I wouldn't hold them to my standards because they don't believe my standards. But I really would only say, like, if you believe my standards, I didn't have the ability to, like, right. make a proper critique. If you don't hold my standards, all I can say is, like, hey, you probably you might want to hold these standards. Here's some, like, arguments for why, so to speak. But as far as, like, that goes. So anyway, uh, yeah, so no secondhand smoke <laughs> for me then. I was, just, I was actually just curious. Patrick, what, what would you, like, just if you um, have something off the top of your head, I'm curious. Like, what is something that I've said? specifically that you feel like would be in opposition to me taking a Christian Pentecostal Christian stand. Oh boy. Like just, just anything, anything easy off the top. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now keep in mind, I have not, sure. it's been a while since I've listened to the podcast, so I will be unable well, to give you like yeah. a word for word quote. So just know I'm going to say things and there is a chance yeah. I misrepresent them. And so if you remember I don't better than I, I anybody trust account. you. No, we're not. Yeah. This isn't uh, the podcast that yeah, we know or no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, one, um, your insistency in a couple episodes ago where like you really wanted to flex on people and make like you're arguing you at the time. You're like, yeah, I like to make them feel bad. You know, like I would say that's certainly at odds. I would say um, the sort of idea that if like somebody gets in the way of like my business pursuits yeah, or endeavors or the yeah. goal I have in my life, then like I yeah, yeah steamroll them, I would say that is. Also, the biggest one for me actually is you said in one that um if you're not above me or where I yeah. want to be, right? If you're not on the top of that mountain, then I won't not take any critique or advice that you have for my life because you're not right. where I want to be, so why would I listen? And I thought about that, and I thought about the people that you generally seem yeah. to imply are at the top of the mountain, really successful entrepreneurs. And I'm like, well, what do you do with the disciples who are fishing and tax collectors? Like, what do you do with all of the saints in the church who have yeah. come up with good theology that were poor? And that's why I said, like, if you held Christianity as, like, a rule of belief for you, that's where I would say you, there's some issues here. Because by that own standard, you've walked sure. out all of Christianity, <laughs> You shouldn't listen to any of them because they're all way poorer than you, uh, way less motivated for success. Bo's dying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So th- those would be some areas where I would say, if if you say, like, I hold Christianity, I, I would say, 
that's amazing. That's great. You got to work. You probably should work these out in your mind, sure. which I mean, we all yeah. have hypocritical lines in ourselves, right? Like Christianity is not perfection. It's work yeah. in the process of being perfected. Um, so, so none of these things would be said with like malicious intent. I would just say, huh, that seems to be at odds. But Joe also says I'm a mechanical calculator. So, um, <laughs> so I, I definitely like for me, like if something's not consistently logical, yeah. I will just dis, I will just get rid of it immediately, you know, and, and I might still do the bad action. But I won't have any hesitancy in saying sure. I'm 100 yeah. percent wrong when I do. That. Well, I would say two things. Thing. So the first you know? two that you said, um, those are absolutely like where my if I have like an internal struggle, which I just don't really struggle with. But if there, but if it existed in terms of what I believe versus what I practice, that would be two of the main ones um, that that kind of get in the way. The last thing about the top of the mountain, um, I probably should make a not necessarily amendment on that, but what I will say is a lot of times I, I'm able to differentiate, like if you've been divorced eight times, I really don't want your marriage advice. (laughs) If you've been, you know, if you have no kids, I don't want your advice on parenting. So the, the thing I would say, yeah. Uh, Now, now here, this is interesting, right? Cause in philosophy, they have a term for this kind of thing and it's called poisoning the well, right? So it's a fallacy. And so what it does, right, is it says, like, I'll give you a, a modern day example. Let's say a Catholic priest makes an anti-abortion argument. They're like, why we shouldn't have abortion? And he said, well I, well, I wouldn't listen to him while he's a Catholic priest. And, of course, you're going to say, like, like essentially, if someone's been divorced eight times and they give a good argument for marriage, we should evaluate the argument regardless of the individual. So that's what means poison the well. You're trying to poison the source. So, like, it's a way of not engaging with the argument that's being given, right? So instead of, like, let's say a fat doctor telling you how to be healthy, maybe what he's telling you is logical, good, and true. And he just fails to live by it himself. Uh, At best, that just makes him a moron, I guess. But ultimately, you know, you can't really poison the source of it, though. Because I think someone who's been divorced eight times, surprisingly, they might have learned some things not to do, which is another I don't disagree with that. Uh, And I just think for me, the way that I operate and the filter system that I use in my own brain, (laughs) I guess, makes complete sense. Poisoning the well, I understand what you're saying. For me, it still is a matter of if you if you are there, then I will listen. If you're not, then I then I really won't. I do agree with what you said at the last part there, though, of, you know, you may have some things to say about what not to do. 100% agree with that. And I and I hear that. Um, but no, that makes sense. Yeah, and to be fair, if you use your screening protocol, you yeah. probably will avoid a lot of bad arguments. But you know, you also run the risk of right. like they might Missing have a really good, yeah, like, they might have a really good position that you you, you risk sure. throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But like nine times out of ten, yeah. like it, it's not a terrible a, screening process. Yeah. So I would say it's a risk you know, I'm, willing, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Is all I would there. say. But yeah, I hundred percent hear what you're saying. As long as that individual, yeah. like yeah, the fat yeah, doctor or the guy who's been divorced eight times, isn't critical, I think I'd be willing to listen to him. But that's just subjective bullshit because it makes me feel like if they're, um, well, facts don't care care about your feeling though. They don't. True. Yeah, but they don't. But it to to Braden's point, I I get why we're talking about facts here. Yeah. But like, with that being said. I'm probably not listening to a fat doctor. I'm like, okay, bud, unless he just doesn't give a shit. Like, why would I take the time? If I know nothing about the the subject and he's telling me how to lose weight, 
Why would I fucking listen? I'm going to go to a guy who's skinny and listen. No, I, yeah, I will say, like, the problem is they lose their credibility, right? That's the thing. Because let's say, like, you you researched um, medical nutrition, weight loss. You really researched these things. Then if a fat doctor said, this is what you should do to lose weight, you know from your own knowledge whether he's on the right path or not. You say, yeah, that's true. No, it's not. But the problem is when you don't know anything about it, yep. the credibility factor becomes more important. And that is a thing. That's a good sure. call out, bro. Um, that's a good call out because that's the other thing. So, yeah. I never take anyone's advice at face value. I always kind of am either doing research prior or doing research post. I'm never just taking what they say and running with it. Mm-hmm. Even, if, even if they are at the top of the mountain. I'm always trying to, I guess, myself absorb other opinions and stuff like that, if that makes sense. But no, I, I for sure hear what you're saying. It sounds like to me that you're just continuously cynical because like, for that's, sure, yeah, that's, that's how, probably fair. That's what I would say I am because there yeah. are, and correct me here if I'm wrong, Patrick, but there are times where Patrick will say something and I'll be like, I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that happens literally between every breath <laughs> when I talk to you. But, yeah. you know, it, that's fair, right? Because we all have our own conditioning experience. And I think you should always take things. I'm, I'm a skeptic person foremost always. Right, yeah. You should always be skeptical of That's the word I meant, what skeptical. anything is yeah. telling you. Yeah. Um, sure. Unless you have like, great reasons. It's a similar word to skeptical. S- uh, it's similar, but it has an emotion tied to it. So cynical can be... That's why you call me cynical all the time. Yes. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's also a pretty bad emotion. Like Cynical is skeptical with the emotion of like, I don't believe you because fuck it. Or like just like oh. fuck you and like... Yeah. I don't have that. Sometimes you do. <laughs> well... Well, cynical also is going to be like, depending how it's used, because like the definition of words is found in right, don't use pull out word adaptable too, that way. Too early. Um, but you, usually it's motivated by self-interest or distrust mm. of human people, right? That's one. And two is like, um, you're pretty much only interested in yourself at the disregarding of others in general. So like cynical is going to like kind of mean those things. So it's a little different than skeptical or skeptical is... I'm trying to find, like, I hear what you're saying, but I have to be able to connect that line of reasoning with some piece of evidence, you know, something that is convincing to us as we are like a truth-based species, right? Like we seem to always try to figure out how the world works. And, so I am skeptical you know, what we with, with a it, hint so. of cynicism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that it's a hint. It's probably more like a dash, but all right. Well, that's fair. Well, a dabble do you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm giving you shit, man. No, it's all good. Uh, yeah, there was something I was going to ask, but I can't even fucking remember. Well, I was curious Bo's response because Patrick had. A, oh, that's right. Us, like if we would consider ourselves yeah, yeah. Pentecostal Christian. Oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Oh yeah, thanks All for right. bringing it back well, up. Then, um, <laughs> so mine, you will definitely get the shit all over. So, um, <laughs> I've got. Uh, so it is probably subjective. So I've always been. I follow the Christian faith, but I say that as in like. Let's, let's just, let's just, I'm going to open up the can here. Um, oh boy. I, I, okay. So I do, I've always been careful. He's like going on a 30 minute story. People. I've, I've had, I used to, I went like 10 years, not calling myself a Christian. <laughs> like when people would ask me if I'm, if I'm going to, if, are you a Christian or whatever? I'd be like, uh, 
Now, were you were you like agnostic in that stage, or were you like uh, like a theist? Like I've never been agnostic. I've never been a Big Bang theorist like these two fucking wackadoodles sitting in front of me here. And I've never. <laughs> Three hey, fucking wackadoodles that were on fucking microphone right now. So I got three wackadoodles. The theologist, the Big Bang theorist. This is going to be great. Hey. Is that not a contradiction right there? The fuck is this no, guy? Because because God can create the Big Bang. Like I don't know. I, no, I get it. I, I I understand it, and I'm just kidding, Pat. <laughs> so um, I, I do have to interject real quick. Oh. My boss just called. Yeah. Um, I might have to go in 15 minutes, but it won't be for long. It'll be like five, 10 minutes. Something happened with a piece of equipment there. So just let you know. Dear God, yeah. Pat, this guy is getting more flakier by the day. Dude, I hate it. I'm I'm literally at a breaking point Pat. here in a couple of days. So you, he was he was the one that told me I should come <laughs> on, and then I come on, and he's like, I gotta go. Um, That's what he. This podcast was his idea, and then he's like, I don't know how many Saturdays I can put together in a row. That, this is the thing that feeds me, and I'm a very fat man, so I don't know what to tell you. Hey, I fed you today. That's candied bacon <laughs> well, right yeah, there. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, well anyway like with a quick note on the big bang just in general like i think a lot of like issues a lot of i guess what i would call fundamentalist or evangelical christians have generally with it is kind of this idea of it's like a wasteful process it's like a sloppy messy process but i think like one thing like a lot of christians forget is efficiency is not a value unless you either have limited time or limited resources right if you have limited time or limited resources, efficiency is something valuable. But God has neither limited time nor limited resources, so e- efficiency isn't a value for God because He doesn't have the conditions to be mad. So, like, he, there's no reason for Him to be efficient because He has unlimited time and resources. So He's not sort of bound by that like constraint thing. Anyway, that's just a side note because I find this I think, interesting. I think he just popped noodle. Keep going with your story. And so no, you, you I, never were a big banger. He didn't pop my noodle on the Big Bang Theory. That is the way I've always understood it. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, Christians yeah. that believe in Big Bang Theories, God kind of orchestrated the Big Bang. Well, that's not what he's saying. Oh, he's saying that because it's so sloppy? Yes. Yeah. I'm saying the reason why a lot of Christians still don't believe in the Big Bang Theory, why they reject the Big Bang Theory, is this sort of notion that it's like a sloppy, wasteful, it's not the way God would do it, oh, but it's like they're they're looking through a lens of efficiency. But I don't think efficiency has any value for God because He doesn't have limited time or resources. I which was are the unaware of that. that efficiency okay, valuable. I see. I, I didn't know that. That's why. That's not the way I would figure the Big Bang not being reasonable. I just feel like it's too. Like if I do kind of, I could believe that God was just like, you know, whatever. Big Bang. Well, how do you translate "Let there be light" and now there's light? Like, what could what happens there? Like, <laughs> just does it just light just appears? That's why I'm like, that's why I have that argument against you, Bose, because it's like if he says "Let there be light" and then there's light, yeah, and there's no and there's no translation of how that process works. Why couldn't it be Big Bang? Oh, I get it. Well, then, and, and I also be like, I, I, fine, because I'm not saying I believe the Big Bang happened. I'm saying it is a high possibility that it could have been one of the many possibilities that happened. Well, well, the thing is, right. And once again, I'm not a scientist, so I, I make that clear, but it's becoming harder and harder. I think to deny it because like you can actually see it. So like when we see a star, I think, I think it was Newton that had this beautiful quote <laughs> that stars are ghosts in the sky. Right. And what, and what he means is it takes a certain amount of time for light to travel to us. So when we see stars up there, that's not how they are anymore. They might have already dissipated and gone. 
but we still see them there because light travels slow. So the further with our telescopes in space that we can see um, out there in light, the more we can see how the universe was closer to the beginning because the light is taking so much time to travel. So I think it's uh, Brian Cox, I think, is the um, physicist who has a, like, a great thing on this on YouTube about like being able to actually see closer to the origins of the universe and you can see the rapid explosion, the hot heat density that's um, affecting the cosmos. Yeah, that was anyway, he's, interesting he's on stuff, JRE, which I know you're a big JRE note. fan. I haven't so. listened to him in it's like four months, but yeah, oh, I was. Yeah. Yes. Well, he was on prior, way prior to four months ago. So okay, yeah, I probably heard him. Hey, do you ever? Um, do, uh, do you ever did you ever get into any yeah. uh, like uh, biblical astronomy? Like, um, <laughs> like there's stars out there, and there's also like these gas giants that could correlate with the fallen angels, and especially towards the end times, like being hurled into the sun and being eaten by Kronos and anything like that. Well. I, kind of yes and no. So, like, I guess one part I left out of my story is uh, when I left. Um, so, when I was in high school, right? I don't want to get into this whole story, but my parents were evicted and we were homeless, right? And, Braden and so that was a hard time for me because I grew up Christian. But you know, and it's like, okay, it's like, yeah, that cool, sucks. we're on the streets now. <laughs> and um, during that time period, I was like very angry because it was just not a fun time. Um, but uh, one of the things that it caused me to do was I really wanted to find a reason to live because I just really hated life. And so whatever the reason was to live, it had to be something I could really know, which is where I get my skepticism from. So there was a period of time where I would say um, I was agnostic in early college, and I ended up going on the path where I read every religious text I could. So I read the Book of Scientology, I read the Book of Mormon, I read the Quran, I read the Vedas and the Bhagavad Gita in India, I read the Diamond and Lotus Sutras in Buddhism, and because I like in my mind, I was like, I need to know this is the right religion. And for me, because I'm just an intellectually driven person, like the only way I can really know is if I read all the other ones. <laughs> so obviously there are tons and tons of religions, but you know, well, you most the of them are like subsets of the big five. Um, so anyway. I, I read a lot through there. So anyway, I did read into some religions that still exist today that still worship um, the, um, the the gods of the Vikings, right? And also Greek mythology. So there are still like groups of people that still worship Thor, Odin, Fenrir, Loki. And there's also people that still worship Zeus, Hera, yeah, for Herc, sure. you know, and all of those. Uh, so anyway, I've seen a lot of crossover. Um, and also, keep in mind, this is something that, as Christians, right, I hold the early church to be accurate on most things. So one of the saints in the church is Justin Martyr. We don't know his last name. We just know he got martyred. So that's why he's you know, called Justin Martyr. But he writes what is called the first apologetics, right? In Christianity, he's the first one to write it. And he's writing against Greco-Roman gods because he's trying to write to people in Rome who believe in Greek mythology. And what's interesting is he doesn't try to discount their experiences. He says, I believe you really did see these things you're calling Hercules, Zeus, um, Hermes. He says, but they were really just demons. That's the piece you're missing, that they were demonic illusions. Um, or, and he also says, I think, fallen angels in the same paradigm. So there already is like a lot of crossover in the early church of like trying to explain 
how they have these real personal encounters in Greek mythology, but Christianity is still true. So that's something like Justin Martyr took up. Um, anyway, but that I think is where like you have this long lineage of um, an obsession with fallen angels and demons and how they're represented. And they usually get linked to some kinds of stars. Mm. Um, All right. So yeah. you guys can anyway. see why he's my best friend now. Because so, he has extensive knowledge on the shit that I'm interested in. Because I feel as if, no offense to you, Patrick, but I do feel do feel as if it's 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 long winded and yeah. So what do you mean? This is great. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just listen to him. <laughs> oh, God. Right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pat, don't listen to this fucking <laughs> bullshitter. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Um, you guys cut out a little bit. Yeah, you know, just saying yeah, long winded. Yeah. Is that what I heard? I am too, though. That's why I said we're he, best friends. Is because we're both long winded. And, and I'm sorry, and, no one can beat me, Patrick. I'll let you win today, but no. And that hurts. <laughs> no, no, you're not long winded, and it's great. We've just got fucking. I don't know what, what's going on. Your balls tied up in a knot. Dude, what's they the are, fuck? man. I'm telling you, these past couple days have been fucking wild. So yeah, don't yeah. listen. Oh, I'm gonna have to go out there and put Joe in an armbar. So no, this is a running joke between he and I. He really thinks he can put me in an armbar, and he knows next to nothing about fucking jujitsu. So you know what, uh, you, Patrick, you can put him in an armbar for sure. <laughs> oh my god, I hate both. <laughs> well, what Joe is also forgetting to tell you is I did do martial arts for many years, just not jujitsu. <laughs> so yeah, I probably can't put him in an armbar. I, 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 please I'm keep talking shit. You shit. should see the look on his face over here. It is causing me great joy. That's <laughs> what <laughs> oh, so you get for calling me long-winded. Okay, so I didn't call myself a Christian for many years. <laughs> Ten years. What? Say it. We we, we got to finish Bo's thirty minute story to answer. Yes, I identify as a Christian or not. Brain didn't answer in three words. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a joke because you're known for being a storyteller. That's all. Okay. <laughs> I do. Joe, do you need some you need some hemorrhoid cream, dude. This feeling tight up in there today. You know I told what I'm I told both of them I was like my aggression levels are pretty high today. I'm sorry in advance. Oh yeah, and we but we love you. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> Just like being, I don't know, in a crowded room with a bunch of bloody tampons. <laughs> so, all right, here we go. So I didn't call myself a Christian for like 10 years. And the reason is because I felt that the way I was living totally contradicted the way that Christ had called us to live in the in the Bible. So I didn't want to ever lead anybody astray and say like, oh, yeah, this cursing, drinking, smoking, drug doing, um, fornicating guy was going to ever, I didn't want to be like, Hey, I'm a model for you in your life. But I, I did tell people that I do believe in Christ and I do love him. And I've, I've, I have a relationship with him. I pray with him. My kids have a relationship with him. So, and, and, and I do follow the guidelines of probably maybe not so much. I definitely not Pentecostal anymore. I've kind of shed that uh, belief system because that was pretty legalistic. But definitely maybe the Protestant, is Josiah has, has informed me that I'm probably a Protestant Christian believer or whatever. <laughs> well, all, all of the denominations uh, besides Catholic they, and Orthodox are Protestant. He, but they also <laughs> yeah, take yeah, on yeah, other cloaks. Sure. Like you're Protestant, yeah. and then on top of that, you're a Pentecostal or you're a Church of God believer. You go into no, denominations after that cloak of um, Protestant, Protestant yeah. right? Okay, so that's I sorry, that's what yeah, I was yeah. trying to explain. So do I 
Well, you know, I, I, the reason why I think it's important to draw these like lines back, right, is I think when people experience Christianity today, right, that what they usually mean is like someone told me about Christ. I reached out in, in, in seeking salvation. I felt Christ's love for me. And then they go to their local church and that local church is like Methodist, Baptist, whatever. And so what they what I think people forget is that church is in protest of another church. Right. That in the, what it means to be Protestant means to be in protest of a different <sighs> church. And I think that's always important. That's why I like the Protestant label, because I think like they're thinking like, oh, this is just Christianity. It's like, well, no, there's a form of Christianity uh-huh. that you are in protest against. And that sort of rhetoric bleeds into um, most seminaries and most pastors. That's why there's like a lot of anti-Catholic sentiment well, in Baptist, I, Methodist, I Pentecostal be- churches. Oh. You know, because they are in protest and like they go to study the reformers like Calvin and Luther and Swingley, who were very upset with Catholics. So that's the theological basis they get. Well, can and we really say that Luther like, was upset thing. with them because he died still wanting to be Catholic? Yeah, Luther is a weird case because um, Luther is going to be someone who's going to reject some of the sacraments, but not all. And so this is different than like Protestant churches. Like for instance, the church of Apostles or Pentecostals, they hold two, but they're not called sacraments anymore. They're called ordinances in, in Pentecostal churches. And that's baptism and the Lord's Supper. Um, now they both do nothing for you. So like, it, I have a huge issue with like, why do you need to do these things? <laughs> but you know, for Luther, like baptism still did something for you. Uh, still marked something. And for Calvin, it still marked something. You know, so Luther like left the church. But then he kind of regretted it later in his life because he was looking for reform, not schism. Um, and, you know, and then Swingley, like Swingley is where you're going to get your Quakers, your um, Mennonites, you know, those, those fringe um, religious Christian groups, right? They're going to come out of Swingley's camp. But Swingley, in my opinion, was like the true reforms because he said, you know, that Luther and Calvin like basically betrayed them, like in the sense of like they didn't leave. Because they still had hierarchies, um, they still had like a similar structure to the church, similar ideas. And it, it, um, so, yeah. Anyway, and the Protestant Reformation belongs well, like, not to interrupt, but continue. Sorry, I'm not trying to make your story no, even great. longer. But in my and and Patrick, I mean, I think that what we've learned here is is the truth is is who doesn't want Mennonite pussy? I mean, that is. <laughs> Great, it's great pussy. It's great unwashed, unclean. <laughs> Who has sex through the sheet hole? Oh, oh, Patrick, you got to know this one. Who? Oh, oh, well, you, you really they don't they don't technically do that, but they're you know about Mormons. They have the in their temple they have the curtain veil where they put their hands through and shake each other's hands, and that's what you're guaranteed like okay. security. Well, someone has sex through the sheet, which makes for a very interesting wedding night, especially if you've never done it before. Oh, okay, you're sorry. talking about the Hebraic. Are you talking about the Hebraic uh, consummation where they put a sheet over the bed, or like over the thing over the bed, so that whenever they actually have sex, there's blood on the sheet, and they put the sheet over the. Oh wow, are that's talking, even are you talking about that way filthier. Okay, yeah, because like that's how they consummate a marriage in Hebraic marriages. Well, now I feel perverted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were because a lot of people make. What jokes of the Mormon curtain veil where they shake their hands through it and they make jokes oh, about it being oh, cool no. and stuff? So no, I, I, was, I wasn't actually. I heard of uh, it's it, not maybe it's not you know? Mennonite. Maybe it's uh, what's the other one out there? Amish. I heard yeah. the Amish got a got a poke through the sheet. 
Okay, well, it's it's not a big it's not it's not that big in my life. I mean, I can let it go. But I mean, it's an it's an answer. One day, I'll I'll want it. I want it to be answered. So, yeah, you want you want to know what it's like after she's been churning butter for seven yeah. hours straight with blistered hands. You said she's been trying to your me. Western calloused hands and trying to give you a tug job. Anyways, oh goodness. Well, you know what? Anything's better than nothing out there. That's true. That's probably why they hit them bitches out there all the time. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> and we're just kidding because I, I, I guarantee we're number one in Amish communities. This oh, podcast, geez. right? Here. Yeah, the, the, the one yeah. community that doesn't do technology yeah. for, for sure. There's got to be some 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 rogue some rogue kid out there that's like, "Hey, mom, check this out." There's got to be one. We're hidden underneath this bed. Yeah, dude, dude it blows my mind honestly. You got to think about it. No, they don't even know. No. What's going on. no. <laughs> yeah. this, this is wild to imagine they're literally like oh, a hurricane category five could be blowing through and they won't yeah, know until they're, they're already like caught deep in the water yeah yeah <laughs> but they're prepared i mean they still keep living on yeah yeah they well, they tried to get me for a puppy dog out there in buffalo it really shouldn't take longer than 15 minutes but i do have to go help my boss do that. holy shiznit i do so we have a couple options here yeah you guys can keep talking. We can pick Pat's brain. Yeah, pick Pat's brain. How are you going to get across town and back town in 15 minutes? I it's think, not across town. Oh, where you got to go? Where I work. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's not. That's a, I mean, how would you define that, Braden? I would say it's at least halfway across town. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Potentially more. I mean, fuck, are we just putting Adam's apples here? What are we doing? Yeah. It's just because he doesn't know how to operate things there. So I, you got to go do it. Yeah. Okay. And so do it, brother. Other, you got to do what you got to do. Most of the other machinists are gone. So okay, that's okay. I'm the only one in town. Yeah, I got I got questions for Patrick, so we can yeah, dude. we can rock it. But Patrick, I'm sorry, man. But and I'm yeah. sorry, boys. Honestly, but I'll be back. No, you're good. You're, no, 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 no. You okay? Yeah, you're fine. Sorry, it's not like you're missing next week. All right, man. Hey, I mean, by the time you get back, Bo might be telling the same story still. <laughs> he just majorly insulted me. Okay, thanks, Patrick. That was nice. Okay, I love you too. Yeah, I felt it. I did. So, just so everybody knows, the listeners, that this podcast was Josiah's idea. And, it was. Yeah, and he's been like what I would equate to be like a a a day old biscuit in your hands, <laughs> that very crumbly and flaky. I mean, you could batter fish with it at the end of the day, or but use it as breadcrumbs. All right, all right, Patrick. Here we go. We're going with you, Braden. You got him. Well, no. So I was curious, bro, when you were kind of doing your intro, you said something about you converted to Catholicism. Did you say after you got your master's or when did, when did you convert? Okay. Uh, yes. It, it was at the, it was at the end of my master's where I was really convicted. And then once I graduated, which was a few months later, I okay, cool. started so, the process of becoming Catholic. So convicted like about what? Process, like what basically. was the, what was the turning point? I'm curious. Oh, for me, right, because um, I was in there as an Episcopalian, right, so Episcopalian seminary, um, and as I, we, I was in patristics, and as I was studying the early church, I had a shocking revelation to me, at least at the time, was that our church doesn't hold any of these beliefs anymore. It looked foreign to some degree. Hmm. Um and so it started with, um, I would say, my belief that the Eucharist is the real presence of Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And I read a lot of the early church fathers, and their insistence on this doctrine is everywhere, everywhere. Um, 
And then it went from that into the other sacraments and what baptism does for you and into intercession, the role of the Blessed Mother Mary, um, into uh, um, church hierarchy, a church authority. And so the more and more I read, I just realized that the Christianity I had today is just some byproduct of the last couple hundred years. But it's not, it didn't look anything, like the way I describe it, it was like a, um, a shiny veneer on a rotten apple. Like the Episcopal Church had all of the traditions of the Mass. But when you get into it, it was just rotten. Like they didn't really hold these beliefs um, in the church at all. And even less, like Episcopalians are closer to Catholics and other ones, but even more so in Protestantism in general. So I had to wrestle with the fact that um, the faith that I was holding looked nothing like that of the early church. And that convicted me. And I decided that I needed to make a change. You know, so that's how it started. And then the more and more, um, I fell into it. I fell in love with you. When you say beauty, are you like referring to like order, um, understanding rules? Um, what, what it, um, I think it's going to be hard to put words. We're on a podcast. Um, so give it a The way they interpret and understand the teachings of the church and scripture, um, it is beautiful because it's so multi-layered. It's like in art, there's like cubism where you look at it, like look at something from one angle and it's a picture, look at it from another angle, it's a different picture. So Catholicism is one of the things that really multiplied the amount of pictures I could see. So like the burning bush and the Ark of the New Covenant, right, in the Old Testament became Mary's the Ark of the New Covenant. And Mary became the new Eve in the picture with Jesus, who was the second Adam. And so a lot of Catholic theology just painted a lot more things, like let's say like the perpetual virginity of Mary, right? Like in, uh, I think it's Ezekiel, where they're talking about the temple gate. It says that the way the Lord comes through will be shut and no one can ever enter through that way again when he's given the prophecy of the city. And it's like, oh, so like when I became Catholic, all of these pictures of completion started, I don't know how to put it better than that, but it, it started to um, multiply. So it was like this, I don't know. The, the way I'm trying to say is Catholic theology is so expansive and the connection points are so many. It's mm-hmm. all inspiring. I don't know if you've ever like read something in the Old Testament and then read something that connected to it in the New Testament and you were like in shock yeah. and all about it. I don't know if that's yeah. an experience people have. Um, but it's basically that experience, but I have it like wow. 30 times so, more now. So it was, a big, it was a big picture thing for you. Like the the big picture was coming together, in in. Yes, um, the way I look at it is, it connected me to the church. Um, like Protestants, um, faith is very um, independent. It's kind of isolated. It's really like you with Jesus, and there's like obviously you go to church, and we can debate, you know, what that really means for Catholic Protestants because it's different. But you go to church and. You have other people there, but it's like Catholicism ties you into the entire cosmology. Right? Like we we were reading the saints of the early church; they're still teaching and informing us. The saints in heaven are still praying for us. They're still models of emulation. So it took um, my Protestant faith, which was very singular, like small group kind of faith, and it tied it into two thousand years of history. I, it's like I, I got plugged back into this tradition that I could trust and know okay. is correct. And it just, yeah, so it makes a big picture versus like 
here's what I think because I read this book in my room and this is how I think it should be read. Versus like now I read something and then I read what 30 of the, you know, early to medieval church fathers said about this. What council said about this when Christians would come together and meet to discuss this topic. What did they have to say about it? So all that really opened up for me, which was wow. a, a okay. So thing. then, so then, what about the the relation? Okay, so going through, I don't know, Braden. Well, I, I was going to start going into like priests and like go personal. Ahead. Okay, yeah, so 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 what 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 about to yeah, me? Yeah, there ahead. is a complete um, where I where I would find beauty in is being able to go directly to God, whether that de- message be delivered via angels or via some sort of magic. Uh, transmission between our brain and, and God and the heavens and wherever he is at. Um, what about just like being able to talk and pray and get instant forgiveness or living in like some sort of instant forgiveness? Uh, other, other, other than, uh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, a couple of things about this. Um, sorry, my phone <laughs> almost disconnected there. Weird. Uh, a couple of things about that. Um, you can still go and okay. pray directly to God all the time. In fact, we, back as Catholics, like you should be doing that all the time. In fact, we even do it in the Eucharist where he's literally present right there in front of you under the accidentals of grand wine. So it's, I wouldn't say like Catholicism is something where like you can't just pray directly to God. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, right now we're talking about a special feature of the church. See, because Scripture tells us that Christ is the one mediator between God and man, but Christ sets up that mediation however he pleases to, right? It's his right and prerogative of being God. And so as you you were in the church, Paul says, we're in the mystical body of Christ. In order to be reconciled to Christ, we're reconciled through his body, and his body is the church. And so um, this is how God chooses to set up, because it's not like the priest forgives you of his own power. No. The priest forgives you through the power of Christ that has been entrusted to him through ordination. And you can see like a scriptural basis for this would be like John 20, 23, where God breathes, I mean, Christ breathes on the um, apostles, right? He breathes on them. And that's important because the only other time God breathes on something is Adam when he gives Adam a soul. So he breathes on them and he tells them, whose sins you forgive will be forgiven. Whose sins you retain will be retained. Now, he's not saying you have the power to confess that these sins are already forgiven. He's saying that you have been given the power from Christ to forgive these sins. So I look at it more in this sense. um, One, when you go directly to God, there's practical things here, right? It's a lot harder to tell somebody your sins. And it's a lot harder when that priest tells you ways that you should um, implement defense strategies so you don't do it again because you're wounded by sin. So I think like accountability lacks hard when you just go directly to God. Um, but also, you know, the Catholics, you can go directly to God and receive forgiveness of sins if you have perfect contrition. Right? So this is the church teaching that if you have perfect contrition, God forgives your sins. Direct prayer to him. No need of a priest. The problem is, is we don't always know that we have perfect contrition. Right? Like humans are very good at lying to themselves. And they think they do something because they don't. And then they find out like a good example would be um, somebody uh, always loses their car keys when they when they need to go to their parents' house. And it's always whenever they have something with their parents that they lose their car keys. They might not think, oh, I'm losing my car keys intentionally. Well, a, a good psychologist might say, like, listen, there's a trend here. 
does your subconscious is manifesting in your actual consciousness um, that might even be blocking the receptors of memory where you left your keys because your subconscious knows you don't want to go. And so because of these things, we I think perfect contrition is really hard to know um, if you have. Um, but we have um, this in the sacrament of confession, you have the guarantee that your sins have been forgiven through the power of Jesus Christ in persona Christi, in the priest that's standing in for the person of Christ there. Um, so anyway, I guess long story short, like it's, it's not that the one way is preferred or the other. It's that one way is true. So that's how I approach all things. I'm like, what is true? What did Christ envision? And we know that the early church thoroughly believed that you had to confess your sins to one another. In fact, they used to do it in public. Like you used to have to stand before the church and confess all your sins to everyone there. But they realized there was problems with that because of social stigma of people knowing your sins. So the discipline of confession became one-on-one in a private booth with so, partitions so, so of the priest. They kind of got, away, they um, got away with a little— They, 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 they kind of found like a— whatever another route uh, a, a back door into um confession as long as there's someone there that's a part of the body of christ or the body of the church being a priest uh ordained by god is that is an or is a priest would in in catholicism like is that somebody who's been ordained directly from by god or is that can a church just do that no no, they're ordained from the bishops, right? So the okay. bishops are the successors to the apostles. And so, like, we know from Scripture that the apostles went on to ordain new people. One case, exactly, is when they replaced Judas with Les Matthias, right? They prayed to God for God to select who it is, and they end up going with him. And then Paul also tells Timothy, like, don't be too haste in the laying on hands of others. The laying on hands is the symbol for ordination in Scripture, um, in this case. And um, so... Ordination comes down from the bishops, and priests are like assistants to the bishops. So um, if you were to say, are the bishops ordained by God? The bishops are ordained by the previous bishop, who has prayed to God and trying to seek his will in the ordination of that man. So basically, like, it's not like you can just walk up and get ordination. They have, you, you have to present yourself in such a way that that person feels that God really called you to this role. Just like in yeah, every denomination, you know? And so, like, what ha- what happens when the moral um, fiber of this priest is just dog shit? And you go in there, and um, I- I'm not—I don't have to bring up the kid thing or anything like that, but it's because everybody knows it's an easy target, easy joke. Because there's a lot of what what well, yeah, I mean, we, we, we can talk. Well, about I mean, that too, that sure, too. but yeah, I'm fine with that too. Um, yeah. yeah. So what to, what to do is unfortunately you endure, or you go to another parish. But the church has been consistent uh-huh. that. There will be bad priests, right? The Catholic Church is a field hospital. It's a field hospital for sinners, right? So it's a it's a holy church in the sense of striving towards perfection, but it's still within holy people that are still in the process. So if your priest is bad, but are you, you screwed? Are are you screwed um, if you endure, like? Let's but, say you. I, I yeah. got to go in and get forgiveness for whatever, um, something big, and I go into a priest, and my priest is a a child diddler, or just like he's whatever he's doing, he's not in that he's not a priest anymore for whatever his decisions that he's making. And I need forgiveness. And he's like, yes, I bless you child. Your sins are forgiven or whatever he says. And then, but his heart isn't pure and it's screwed. Am I screwed? I walk out of that confessional booth and then am I still accountable for that sin or have I, have I been forgiven? 
Uh, I see. I see what you're saying. Uh, no. So Augustine argued this very early on. Um, Augustine yeah. is one of the early church fathers. He argued this with the Manichaeans in the church agreed that the state of the priest's soul has no bearance on the power oh. God has given him to perform the sacraments. So a priest does not have to be like in a state of grace to perform sacrament. Although the teaching yeah. is you should try to be right. So it's like priests should be going to confession. Um, Every time there's a mortal sin, and they should try to, because if you offer mass in a state of mortal sin, that's a problem too. But you could still do that. It doesn't affect the Eucharist becoming body and blood, and it doesn't affect um, forgiveness of sins from priest's confession. Um, because if that's not the case, then then we would have no church. Yeah, because be all human Absolutely. beings are so sinners. Then, so then, if you, but yeah, so so that well, that is I, a, I, a healthy okay. safeguard. So basically, there. you're you're as long as you're going to confession, it doesn't matter who's sitting there. But they, you should pray for them. They should the church should deal with them appropriately. Or is there is because I like there's no one that's perfect. Well, if the priest is doing bad things, then you would write to your bishop, right? So you're always under. Diocese and then what the if bishop, your bishop is shit, bishop though? What if your bishop so is crap? You, you I don't know if he's bishop. crap. What if he's uh, uh, child-sacrificing people or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, Once again, if you had, if you had evidence of that, then you go up um, to... you you like There's cases that go all the way to the Vatican yeah. on ecclesiastical law. So we have what's called canon lawyers in the church. So these are people who argue and defend, and it's like almost like a civil court trial, but essentially for things within the church. So you, you can you can okay, challenge something all the way up to the Pope himself. Now, the thing is, is like, what do you mean by like, they're doing, they're doing something bad. Well, once again, we'll never know what they're doing in their personal time. But if you find out he is doing, and, and what about, things, yeah, he will so be the Vatican. Um, from that position. What about uh, changing the, the age of legal consent to like 16 or whatever age it is now, but they just, it was changed not too long ago. It was in the Vatican. It was like 12 years old, wasn't it? Or nine years old. Do you know this? Do I need to look it up? I'm not. Okay. I'm not familiar with this because, in 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 the real sense, I don't think it it doesn't have any bearing on the matter of what's like what's been declared true or not, right? So keep in mind the church is only infallible, right? Because we hold that the Catholic Church is infallible. But what this means is we hold it only in matters of okay. faith and morals. Those are the only two places where. You would have to declare something to be revealed from divine revelation um, as, you know, infallible, and it can only be those things. So everything else a pope says or does, we should be kind and give our, you know, assent to try to understand him. But we're not bound to accept things he says that are not about faith and morals done um, from the vocation. So it's called ex cathedra, it means from the chair. Um, so basically, the way church teachings become infallible as revealed by God through the Holy Spirit through the church is all the bishops meet in an ecumenical council with the Pope, or the Pope rules by himself um, that this doctrine is infallible and must be held as a dogma of the faith. Now, to let you know how infrequent that is, that has only happened twice in history mm. that a Pope is elected to do that. And one was the Immaculate Conception of Mary, and the other was the Assumption. Um, but anyway, that's not a common thing. So what I'm saying is, like, let's say, like, popes and bishops are saying really bad things. I'm allowed to rebuke them on those things. I'm allowed to disagree and have dissent on these things. Um, but on matters that have been defined through faith and morals, on doctrines of faith and morals, I am obliged to accept them. 
So that's kind of how okay. it works. That makes sense. There's a lot of a lot of like background to go into a lot of those things. So that's yeah. about as concise yeah. as I can make it. So I guess just help me, even for for my sake, Patrick, just to get a better understanding of like, and I know that there's probably a lot of differences, but what are like the primary points of contention between Christianity or not Christianity, but like being a Protestant and being a Catholic. So I know obviously like Mary is a huge thing praying to the, you know, the saints, the, and then, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, so we call it communion, Um, obviously. What do you, what do you keep calling it brother when you're talking about? Well, well, we use either term. So it can be communion, but we call it the Eucharist, which is a word that means like to give thanks. So, but uh, communion is fine. You will also hear me refer to it as communion. So, but Eucharist is a more um, traditional term that you will see in the early church, but it's also referred referred to as communion. It's also um, referred to as the Lord's Supper. Got you. So all three of these So like when, in in preparation for you coming on, I was trying to do some research uh, on YouTube University. And I, I didn't find, I didn't find really anything that great or at least anything engaging. Anything that I found was either incredibly boring or incredibly not thorough. Do you have, well, I'll, I'll ask two questions. First thing, cause I am curious. Like I, like I told you, I kind of explore in my free time, just different things. Cause I am curious. Do you have anywhere that you would recommend going to just learn? And then secondarily, I do actually want you to kind of help me understand some of the primary differences between being a Protestant and being a Catholic. Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, definitely some great resources here. Um, if you want a standard answer that you know, you can trust research thoroughly, um, Catholic answers is still going to be that. So you can type in Catholic answers on YouTube. They also have podcasts. Um, they make their own books, but Catholic answers is where if anyone wants to know what the Catholic church believes, Type in, and we da, 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 in da, 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 Catholic Answers yeah. and Google, and it'll take you to the website or their YouTube videos where they do like live, like they do a live call in things every week. So, like, they'll sit there, Protestants call in, ask questions, and then, then Catholics give answers. Um, if you're looking for more entertaining, because that can be a little cut and dry, yeah. but it's, it's in my opinion, the best. More entertaining would be uh, um, the Council of Trent. Uh, it's a play on his name. So, it's not Council like Church, Council, it's Council like gotcha. Console. Yeah kind of in spelling uh and it's trent horn um so he runs a youtube and podcast very very good stuff and last the last one that is the most entertaining i think in the sphere but not as thorough as far as like explaining things in the best way would be uh pints with aquinas as a youtube channel um but yeah those are three that i would recommend okay and we'll we'll put those in the show notes too for anybody else that's curious because i'll definitely go kind of explore some of that so so, yeah, man, with that said, then, did you have something else you were going to add oh. to that? Yeah, I was going oh, yeah, se- to say the second part. Um, uh, with the differences. Um, so, I guess with the differences, right? If I was going to name what I see as the biggest contention, first and foremost, it's sola scriptura, which is the Protestant idea of scripture alone as the rule of faith, where Catholics hold tradition and scripture to be infallible sources. Right? So we hold both. So we hold church authority and scripture, and the authority of the church is equal to the authority of scripture. Um, primarily, I can talk about that in a minute a little bit, but that's primarily just a cliff note, um, because Christ came and established a church. That's what he established, and it was that church which selected through the power of the Holy Spirit the books that would become the canon of scripture. So in a sense, the church is the midwife of the scripture. Um, and so we 
And there's a lot of verses that can go into that. So that's probably the biggest contention. After that, uh, baptismal regeneration is a big one. Right? Like for Catholics, we take First Peter serious where it says baptism now saves you. Like we believe that baptism has a huge role in your salvation. It is necessary. Um, Mary, as you mentioned, is a big point of contention. Um, the Eucharist, Christ being truly present. Um, body, blood, soul, and divinity is a, is a big problem. Uh, the confession right. with the priest, but we are kind of talked about that. It's generally a big problem. And uh, I think those are really about it on the big ones. Um, and and um, obviously, uh, a big issue is going to be the church's um, right. scandalous <laughs> activities uh, 20 years ago. You know, with the whole case. But that's a, that's a complicated issue because churches across the board— For sure, and do other things, kids, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the problem with the Catholic Church is we're all unified. So if you're like a Pentecostal church and there's another one down the road that did with kids, you can say, hey, that's not our church. We don't know anything about that. We're the Catholic church. Yeah. That is all of our church. You know what I'm saying? So it looks worse because like we can't just say, well, that's some random guy who started church. So it kind of stacks okay. up against us. The but there's probably does. strength in that too, in some ways. And, uh, yeah, you know, fun. just being unified. I think that's cool. That's something I see missing on at least the Protestant side for sure. Is It's easy to just kick people under the bus if they're not even for like moral or like legitimately big issues like obviously that's a problem a real issue but i'm saying it's easy to you know i, I don't i don't see a lot of unity on the protestant side i guess but yeah yeah we're like the catholic church if you go into church yeah. anywhere in the world we're doing the same mass you know every church is reading you know uh, saying yeah. the red and doing the black as they say from the priest so um and the same beliefs too so anytime you go into a church, they will hold the same beliefs. Oh, and now, generally speaking, you can get into like more traditional Catholic. Sure. Or, and wait, Joe, wait, Joe is back, learn. by the way. I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, I'm not in a good mood, though, so you guys better. Oh, what up? Um, <laughs> sorry, brother. <laughs> um, but, Braden, would you, would you like to talk about? Would you like would you like to go through some anybody else but I'm totally I'm curious because like, I had watched I would say not a ton but probably like five hours of YouTube videos just on the differences between damn uh you know being a Catholic and being a Protestant and like different things and dude I probably absorbed far less than the hours that I actually listened to because it was just boring boring stuff or or stuff where it was like some rando just kind of talking about it. and You don't have a was, connection to Yeah, that. and he was losing me on stuff that he was saying about like mm -hmm. things that I've been brought up to. And I'm like, I don't even believe that. What are you talking about? So it's just no. like, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. There's also a big problem with like Catholics and Protestants. Like, and I've been on both sides of the spectrum. Protestants cannot get arguments right against Catholicism and Catholics can't get arguments right about Protestants. Like I hear Catholics online say like, oh, this is what Protestant belief like a Protestant belief. And it's like yeah. I couldn't find a single Protestant <laughs> in the world that probably believed that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that yeah. uh at play, unfortunately. You know, I, I think like this is just the one benefit of like having gone through both sides is like, okay. <laughs> like and I, and I personally call Catholics out all the time when when they yeah. say something about Protestantism that's not true. Because that bothers me. Because like, you know, we have First of all, we have more in common than we have in disagreement, right? First and foremost, mere Christianity reigns supreme, right? We all Christian denominations, apart from Mormon Jehovah's Witness, yeah. which I don't consider them Christian. I can talk about why in a minute. But, you know, we all believe in the incarnation, right? the virgin birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection, 
um, the kingdom of God, the disciple. Like we have more in common than we have disagreements, but the disagreements right. are still important, right? Like they're not trivial, even if there is a small number of them. But I think like people do a disservice when they misrepresent the views of others because like you don't need to do that. Yeah, like it's not more beneficial. So you know, to be before you kind of break down something, I'm totally curious. You had said something to Bo about Mary being like the new Ark of the Covenant and the second Eve and stuff. I, I want to hear some of that. That's super interesting. But I guess so. If we're all under the umbrella of Christianity, are we all going to heaven? Or are these are these like differences or whatever a matter of like eternal uh, <laughs> conflict? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Like if, I, like if, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and this is an important question because, like, the differences between Catholics and Protestants, right? They have, it has eternal weight. Because okay. we hold different so views on salvation. Yeah. We hold different views on, yeah. on the sacraments and what's needed. And so now, if you're asking, um, is there salvation outside the church, right? That's the question, right? Like, what yeah. a Catholic believes Protestants can go to heaven. And it's like the answer is ultimately yes, but it, it's it's okay. a lot harder in some respects. Um, so basically, the Catholic position is that God judges them on the inside that they have been revealed. So if all you've heard is strong man arguments about Catholicism and it's and you think we worship Mary and all these other things, it's like yeah, no wonder you don't believe, right? So I, the Catholic position is God takes into account this. Um, you still pray to Jesus, you still trust Jesus, you still. You know, look to Calvary for the forgiveness of your sins. So God's going to judge the conscience of your heart. However, you've been told the truth about Catholicism and then you reject it. It's a it's a harder ball game. So the Catholic Church is going to hope and pray that God's mercy reigns supreme, that grace is forgiven. But so the, the church would say we're the fullest expression of Christianity. By basically like we have the sacramental graces that other churches do not have. And so those sacramental graces make it easier for someone to um, get to heaven than, let's say, like Protestant churches. But like I said, in Vatican II, it was quite clear the church said Protestants are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Most Protestants have been baptized, so that's going to be like a big contention point. If you've been baptized, you're already like on the path of salvation. Um, so I would, anyway, to answer the question, yes, Protestants can go to heaven. Even non-Christians can go to heaven. If they have not been revealed yeah. the truth or been told the truth about Christ and they follow the conscience of their heart, then that's what God will judge them on. What did they do with the knowledge they had? And, and so there becomes a point, though, where it's not like a cop-out thing. Like, if you could research Catholicism or Orthodoxy and you say, like, oh, no, I don't want to. Well, now you've made a choice and that choice that, has consequences that you really can't serve. Is that is that um, universalism, but, though, Patrick, or is that <laughs> actual Catholic Church teaching? That, that, that's actual church teaching. It's not yeah, universalism yeah, yeah. would be everyone yeah. goes to heaven. We're we're not claiming that. We're claiming that even if you haven't heard Christ, if you responded to the natural inclinations God placed in your heart, because we all have a like right. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they rest in you, oh God. If you acted off the knowledge of the God you had, because first uh, in Paul Romans, I think it's one twenty, he says that you can look in nature and see that God's works and majesty are on display. So if you, you know, came to a belief in God and a belief in a moral system and you tried to enact that, um, and when you when you did that, you asked that being that God to forgive you, then yeah, like you 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 can be eligible for salvation for sure. 
And I, I mean, I hope universalism is the case that all people go to heaven. I truly do. I don't think scripture supports that take and the church doesn't support that take, but you know, that's my hope, you know, that all um, is reconciled to Christ. Is there, in the a, end. Is there a difference but, yeah. in what you just talked about with, you know, like let's say someone in a remote village in Africa never has a chance to use the internet or hear anything about Catholicism that they can go, you know, go to heaven based on something that God may reveal to them, whatever. Is that true of Protestants as well? Or is that just a Catholic church belief? Do you know? Uh, so I can answer that question. Because uh, I'm curious about that. Because I've actually heard um, multiple different opinions yeah, from pastors about that yeah. specific thing. So with Protestants, sadly, there's so much subjectivity that it's probably going to vary from pastor to pastor, even within, which I experience. Even within denominations. Yeah, I've, which I've experienced. So I, yeah. think, I think it comes down to the pastor. But like, I think you and my dad are probably in line because my dad thinks that, yeah, a person who's in Africa— who hasn't had any kind of experience will probably make it in the heaven based upon their conscience that God has given to them. Yeah. Which is, yeah. Would you say that's probably correct there, Patrick? (laughs) Well, for Protestants, yeah. Well, that's what he was asking. So yeah. (laughs) What? Uh, Where did I miss the Catholic? What's the Catholic solution for that problem? Same thing. Oh, same. Oh yeah. 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 I was just curious because I had talked to pastors before that were, you know, basically, so when I, when I was like early teens, like 13 to 15, 13 to 16, I had, I was kind of deciding if I was agnostic or atheist or like what I was, um, trying to just figure stuff out. Cause I started struggling with, you know, what about these people that never know about, you know, like, aren't we supposed to just go reach them? Why are we doing everything yep. over here? Like what's happening kind of a thing. Um, and so I had had yeah, yeah. conversation with my dad and with my grandpa who really have us basically the belief that we've talked about now but then i had it with some other folks that <laughs> i don't know it was just weird yeah. they were like oh absolutely not they're going to hell because they didn't you know i'm like okay well yeah isn't that kind of weird i just felt it was super weird it actually yeah. pushed me more toward like yeah i don't want anything to do with this man that's crazy yeah because like yeah. I, I can't i can't fathom that where you have a god who cr- creates a, a rule so yeah. to speak or a, not a rule in the sense of like, you should do this rule, but like a ruling system. <clears throat> and and then say anyone who doesn't know about the rule is going to be right. disciplined to, yeah. the, to the measure of, to the same measure of someone who does know the rule. So it's like, that's just wild to me. And I'm glad, because I didn't actually didn't know that, Patrick, about the Catholic Church. I thought, I didn't, because I never thought to ask it, but... Um, well, yeah, well, it's it's evolved. It's understanding yeah. that doctrines can evolve. So, you know, back in the day, you would hear Catholics would say Protestants can't go to heaven because the idea is there's no salvation outside the church. But by definitions of the church, right, we, we came to realize um, that the church is expansive, right? Because if you were baptized, you're already in the church. <laughs> so, and um, so we're already, you know, expanding that way. And so that's ultimately... Um, and even back in the earlier days, like they would have never said yeah. if you didn't know, like you're going to hell. Um, and they might have more of an issue with like, when does invincible yeah. ignorance end? Right. So invincible ignorance is the person who's ever heard. Like, does someone who's in America with a laptop and a Google search, like, do they really have invincible ignorance? That's where the lines get messy. But the church doesn't rule on that. Uh, you know, we like I said, we 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 hope in God's mercy and we try to. Um, yeah. You know, pray for them. So yeah, that's, that's where we for go. For a Protestant that does, 
go to heaven versus a Protestant that doesn't? What are like the, I hate to call it this, but is there like a checklist of like, hey, this has to be done, this has to be done, this has to be done? Because isn't Catholicism a little more like faith and works or not? Okay. Well, I'm no. Um, so the Catholic Church has declared. Well, sorry, you broke up there, so I only heard. I only heard. Works. Yeah, that's what so I said. If you said faith, faith and works, works. Answer, yeah. yes. Sorry, there was like a. Oh, okay, then yes, yeah. Sorry, I, like there was a, like a little space there, and then I heard works. Um, but yeah, the church would obviously hold that we cannot save ourselves. Right, that's Pelagianism. Uh, a guy named Pelagius thought we that like we could. Now, he basically thought that Jesus just served as a good example of what to do gotcha. and you could live a perfect life in heaven. We don't believe that. So it starts with faith, the gift of faith from God, and the atonement of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which that is what for our sins. However, you now have to cooperate with this, right? So basically, if you, someone says, like, oh, I'm saved through faith alone, in fact, the only time faith alone appears in the New Testament is you're, you are not saved by faith alone. <laughs> so we like within James, right? And like works without faith are dead. So like in the places that it appears are not good. Um, but the notion is there's not necessarily a checklist, right? What Catholics would say is you don't want to die in mortal sin, which means that there are some sins, which this is talked about, I think, in James's epistle, um, where some sins don't warrant death and others do. Um, in that epistle, that's where the church, I don't have that verse off the top of my head, but I, I'll look it up and send it yeah, to you for sure. all later if you're interested. But um, some sins are mortal sins, and really the clear distinction is, like, this is a grave matter, like a big important matter. You know what Christ says to do, and you purposely reject it, right? So those sins are going to separate you from the grace of Christ. And so that's so basically there's not a checklist. The only checklist is don't die okay. in unrepentant mortal sin. But you should be cooperating. So the way Protestants understand salvation, they may not say it this way, but the way they all do is that um, you are this sinful being, and Christ, when you accept Christ's sacrifice on the cross for your sins, you are cloaked in his righteousness. Right? It's almost like a robe. Um, but the thing you are is still, you know, un- like not righteous. Like it was Luther who decided for having said you were poop but now after salvation you are snow covered poop um but the thing inside of you hasn't changed so catholic salvation is the idea that christ's death on the cross right and the gift of faith penetrates your soul and it transforms you so, into something so that is poop. holy and clean so the idea is that salvation takes root inside of you like so basically like we're saved so, towards so, something not saved so from instead of, so instead of poop with snow on it it is um, now no longer poop at all. <laughs> yeah, like, like there's okay. a transformation yeah, yeah. In, in salvation for Catholicism, where for a, a proper Protestant understanding, when God looks at you, he doesn't yeah, see your right. sins, he just sees his son. Like, that's how Protestants would explain that. But ultimately, that leaves to me a rather bleak picture of no transformation. And, and also, um, you know, I think you'll have a hard time to, like, going down that line, right? Because you think of like, you know, Philippians like two, where Paul is talking and he says like, therefore my beloved, like as you've always obeyed, so now, you know, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation fear and trembling. Right? This is what this means, that like we try to avoid sin and Christ's holiness is 
making us more like the incarnation, right? Think of the, the communion of Eucharist this way, right? We have the thing we want to be, Jesus. We want to be more like him, Paul was teaching. And we take that and we put it inside ourselves, right? You know, the whole idea is transformation to be more and more like Jesus in this sense. But yeah, I mean, for me, like one of the things there is there's just so many verses that don't seem to suggest, you know, eternal security. Like uh, Galatians 6, 9, where he's like, let us not grow weary of doing good. If we were, if we do not relax our efforts, then we shall reap the harvest. First um, Timothy is a great one, too, where it says some men, by rejecting the guidance of conscience, have made shipwreck of their faith. Um, and so there's a lot of verses that I think, uh, and, I, and to be fair, I don't think Protestants are too far off. Like, because what Protestants will say is once you have your salvation, what happens if that person rejects Christ later? Like completely rejects him, becomes an atheist, hates Christians. People won't say, Protestants won't say, oh, he's still saved. They'll say he deceived himself about his salvation and he never had. It. You know what I'm saying? So like, even most Protestants are going to say, like, if you are a Christian who professes salvation, but you have no fruits in your life, that salvation is not present in you. And so it, there's a little bit of a semantic game here where Catholics aren't exactly saying that, but we're saying, like, if God has given you salvation, you must cooperate with it and do good things. You must, like Christ says, he who loves me does my commandments, and he obeys me. Um, this is part of the yeah. salvific story, you know. And I feel like I said, you know, and so whether someone can lose salvation or not, though, I honestly don't think, like, we just express it differently. Because the Catholic's just going to call what it is and say, yeah, you had it and then you lost it. Yeah, because you rejected Christ. Where a Protestant will just say you never had it to yeah. begin with. And that's more of a semantic thing I got a thing question. Where do, where do you, just to tie that up, that mm -hmm. is phenomenal. So that, just to be sure, so in Catholicism, you can lose your salvation. Yes. Interesting. And, and, and then how, uh, what are the mortal, mortal sins? sins? Yeah, that's what I was going to yes. ask you. Like, what are the mortal sins? Is it like the seven deadly sins or is that a different thing? Okay. No, they're, no, but like they're usually tied in. So uh, the criteria for a mortal sin is going to be that it's a grave matter of importance. And the catechism lists out a lot of ways in which a sin can be a grave matter. Um, sure. That'll take a long time to cover. But give basically, us a few. it's a matter of utmost importance. That's like, it, imperative okay. so like murder right yeah. <laughs> like that is a serious sin oh, damn that's it. different than like oh i told you why no no this is a big one so a great important matter um you have to know that it is wrong you have to already know it is wrong and then you have to freely do it anyway so there are mortal sins that because you don't know that they are wrong right you are unaware they you lower your culpability back to venial sins. The venial sins um, are smaller sins. Like you can think about, you know, John is the least in the kingdom. That doesn't mean to be in the kingdom, but to mean to be least. And when we talk about purgatory, which we get into, that's talking about correcting the wounds and scars of, of venial sins and that of mortal sins, but your mortal sins are already forgiven. So venial sins are going to be like your like ones that you you kind of get caught up in with. You have a lot of pressure. So, for instance. Masturbation, right? And pornography mortal? would be considered mortal sin. Oh, damn it. I am but, not going to become yes. Catholic. Now, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. One word is out here. But if you've already built up a habit to it, right? Because you've done it. 
um, your culpability can be lowered because of the status of it being an addiction for you. See what I'm saying? Like addictions lower culpability. So while you would confess for sure that you're still committing the sin, whether that is a mortal sin or not is going to depend on that variation of the free will piece there. How much did you consent? Does addiction lower your ability? That's badass. So I could just say that I'm addicted to porn, (laughs) and then I get kind of grandfathered into this under the mortal sin. Venial. Yeah. Venial. Well, he's not saying it's not that subjective. Well, yeah. well, well. First of all, you should work I'm to overcome that. Real, I'm not <laughs> it's not like, oh, I'm not in venial sin. Like, you still should confess that sin every time you go to confession. And once again, even if you is a, like you think you lose your salvation because it's a, a, a mortal sin, you, that's what yeah. confession is for, right? To reconcile you back to but the if, Father through Christ. But if, if my bitch sacrifice. ass looks Hold at some going. porn so, and I'm not addicted and I do beat one. And then I, I'm like, oh, damn it. Again, I, the Catholic Church, it's all the way across town. So I hop on my bicicleta. And you get hit. And, and I get hit. That's what I would just And then you hit. die. And then you're floating downwards instead of up, right? You're being flushed instead of. Uh, no, because oh. your intention is to go to the sacrament. Well, you got to so make it have, real quick, though. So we have a couple Spot. things here, right? If someone wants to be baptized, right, and they're trying to join the church to become baptized, we call it, and they die, we call that baptism by desire, right? You still get the salvific effects. So if, that, and that's why I said earlier, if you go to hell, you die okay, from so unrepentant mortal sin. So if you're sorrowful for the sins you committed, and on top of that, attend to confess into a priest, oh, okay. if you die, but, God's okay. grace so you inseminate, you inseminate yeah, yeah, a sock, yeah, yeah. So, and, but you got to be real quick to be like, that was wrong, and I got to go ask for forgiveness. But, like, what's the point if you already, but, like. Well, you should be quick, yeah, yeah. And it's not like, if you know it's wrong, you should be actively Yeah, but that's impossible because we're, we're humans you and know, we're always so going to sin. Like, we're turning it into a pattern of, like, oh, I know it's wrong, yeah. but I'm just going to do it real it's quick. Abusing, it's abusing like, that's that not grace a good whatever, picture. Right. No. Okay, who is, which, to okay. be fair, which to yeah. be fair, the Protestant another has, mortal thing, the has, has equal offenses in this so, case. Like, sure. There's still. There's still things within the Protestant church that you can take advantage of in but a similar fashion. Is masturbation without pornography or lust a sin in the Catholic church? Okay, so. Oh, uh, yes. Sure. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Pat, hold on. Now, I, I don't know what Protestantism okay, would actually so, say that. That's an interesting <laughs> question. Because I've heard Protestants on, talk Pat. about this, and they say, well, it's I kind of impossible to do it without some kind of lustful image yeah. either in your mind or on the screen. But I would still hold it, it sinful, period, because it, of natural law. It naturally yeah. disrupts the purpose hold, hold on, Pat. of got what for sex you. is okay, for. So, so hold on a second here, then. Um, <laughs> so masturbation. Okay, so we don't we don't really know if without without everything. How does it always come back to masturbation? Hold, look, okay, then who's 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 gone the longest without masturbating? I've gone three months. Right now? Not now, no, but like I've done but, it before. I mean right now. Oh. Pat, you're in this pool too. What's, how night. long's it been? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For me. I don't know about Patrick, but yeah. yeah. I'm not. I don't win. Well, yeah, well, I, you know, my this gets weird, right? Because our definitions are not going to be the same. So technically, if I do a sexual act with my wife, Okay. Where let's say she's doing the tug, or I'm getting a bounce, um, to use the most okay. euphemism, okay, hey, hey, that still Pat, counts. You got here. me. 
So, okay. you know. That, okay, that okay so if your wife's doing it, so I didn't know if the talk, because we got a little bit of a delay problem, I guess. Delay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like. Because we keep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's been cutting oh, in Oh, that's okay. Too. I, so I, I just probably got some weird setting in here that I haven't figured out yet. Anyways, so if your wife's tugging. <laughs> God damn it. it, it okay. I just, I, I want to make this clear because, okay, if, if your wife's tugging. It's clear as mud. Not a, Just yes or no. Sin or no sin. <laughs> It's a sin because you're blasting sin. outside. Oh, this blasting again! Oh, <laughs> so think of it this way, right? Like we have what we call like disorders, right? So let's say like you're like you eat food, Hold. right? There's a and this is what Catholics mean by natural law. Why do you eat food? Well, because your body needs energy; it gets tired, so you eat food, and, and then, then you it goes down it. your stomach and it gets digested. Blast now, it, but we blast. Yeah. Now, what if you shit outside? Okay. Now let's keep going. Sorry, let's Pat. say sorry. you. Sorry, no, it's a cutting in and out thing. I'm sorry. It's like sometimes you're there, then you just disappear, then you come back. Um, but now, if you're bulimic, right? That means like when you take it in, you're going to make yourself throw up. We say that's a disorder, right? Because it disorders the natural ends for which eating are for. So sex is for procreation and unity with the spouse. So if you remove that aspect, you have now removed something that it's naturally ordered to, and you have now made it a disorder, just in the same way like bulimia would be a disorder. Because you've taken its natural ends and you have subverted them for the gratification of your pleasure over the role of uh, okay, um, then, uh, its proper okay. position. Then shouldn't it be unpleasurable? There would be no babies if it wasn't. That's impossible. Some people, yeah. people are going to want some wackadoodle out there is going to want a baby, and even though it's unpleasurable. I mean, yeah. Yeah. A, 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 well, giving I, birth. No, no, no. It should be pleasurable. But here's the thing, right? So Augustine has the notion of sin that is it's a privation of the good, which means like Augustine's going to take from Plato here, and he's going to say human beings always choose that which is good to them, right? And so, so how do you get evil then? Well, evil is when you choose a lesser good in place of a higher good. I give you $50, you give me $2. Uh, right? That would be uh, like a picture of this. I've selected a lesser good over a higher good. It's more pleasurable to sleep with thousands of women. I don't know. But the pleasure that is in sex is still meant to be in the context of marriage. That's how God designed it. So even if it's more pleasurable, because sin is often more pleasurable, it is ultimately still disordered, and it is still wrong. And that's why Christ says, deny yourself, deny yourself, deny the flesh, pick up the cross. That's why there's so much yeah, that, well, you know, I hear that. Doesn't. And that's so that's got to re-deny uh, yourself, uh, deny the flesh. That's in any sex outside of— That uh, also includes eating too much food. That yeah. also includes— Right. That also includes— if someone thinks cussing is wrong, don't cuss around them. That also includes right. so many things. Is So it's like not just a sexual thing. I think what happens yeah. oftentimes in these conversations, not with you, but like just in general outside in the world. It, it's it, my job to bring it back to sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying like yeah. in, 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 in real the world too. Yeah, 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 it comes back to sex because most people do like sex. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we've made it our yeah. it sex is this generation's obsession, and more so than previous. Uh, so you have to think, right? A, 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 let's say, let's say a fourteen, a fourteen-year-old in his room with a computer has seen more breasts 
than anyone in history, any man in history ever saw in his life. I love technology, Pat. See what I'm saying? God, like, I love opened technology. the doors where oh, it's slanted It's such so a far. blessing. To be able to do that, break records like that, to look at more tits than any other kid has in their life. <laughs> just just that, have that ability. <laughs> I mean, this is great. <laughs> I mean, besides it being a mortal sin. So, yeah. Okay. So in the Catholic church, are you able to look at a naked woman? And uh, is that a sin? As long as you're not lusting. I can make the argument that. Yeah. Mm, if you're if you're not lusting, then uh, yeah, probably I would say I would consider it a sin. So, I mean, but I, I would, I would wager like, unless you're. Like in the LGBT bunch, like who, what, what grown man I've is not looking it. at Easily. a naked woman? Without? Easily done it. You know what I'm saying? You've looked at a naked woman. Possible. Yeah. I can't wait to bring this argument. Let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. Do it now. Okay. Look. Are, are, statue are we talking about a person. statue or yes. a real person? And not lusted. My, my balls hurt. Your balls do hurt. It'd be yeah. impossible for you to, to do that right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you would grind up against this door if it, if it, just, I would. If it gave I'd you the fucking, right look. I'd leave a wet spot right on that fucking door. Oh, okay. So <laughs> wait till I move out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to have to go to confession because you blasted outside. I'm not, I'm not fully Catholic yet. I'm getting there. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, 80, I'm like 60%. There's actually a lot of the Catholic stuff that, is appealing like kind of like the structure oh, no, that, in order yeah, th this was what i was going to ask you a couple minutes ago as i said i had a question is oh. like do you guys do you guys think it's more or less attractive having heard i don't know what was talked about when i was gone but like yeah having heard what you we um, didn't really get okay. into a lot of the issues hey, i mean it's pretty hard to cover because so, it's all surface for me like it's all just like well what's a sin what's not a sin how bad is that sin can you do this and then like so what are all the rules that and once again i'm why i'm not going to switch to catholicism is because there is another bunch of set of rules that well, i would have to be well, adhering well, to that that i'm like probably not going to do so like and then it's intention and then it's confession and then it's like oh shit that is a mortal sin it's just i for me it makes it I just uh, w whether it's a true way to go or not, I'd rather almost keep to the same. That's but I it is interesting. It's so attractive, though. It, I mean, the structure and order of it is amazing. Well, well, and that's why Christ says yeah, the right. road to heaven is narrow, right? The broad the broad road goes to hell. Like it takes work, and like Catholicism is hard for everybody, especially yeah. Catholics. That's why we're yeah, always no in shit. and that's why <laughs> I haven't made the switch you know, because it would it would it it would require a responsibility of me that i don't think i it's just it's to me it's weird the ceremonies with well, the incense and then nah, like that's cool I mean, it is kind of cool but i'm just like sitting there possibly getting a migraine from fragrance intolerance so it's like it's not always the best yeah, but, situation for yeah, me but the way i see it is like me and my dad were having this conversation the other day because i was expressing him i was like dad i don't understand why Protestants and, and I, and I told him, I was like, and Pentecostals. And it's only because I only have experience with Pentecostals as a Protestant right. that, that they, it's not that they dislike it or anything like that. Quit slurping on that dick boy. But, um, hell Catholic are we talking? To? <laughs> but, but, uh, but I was telling him, I was like, I don't, I don't understand why Pentecostals specifically, because I only have experience with them, don't, a lot of them either dislike Catholics or they don't know enough. And I feel like in my experience, I've met a lot that don't like them. And I'm like, I don't understand that. And I, and, and I was telling them, I was like, I came to this epiphany, which is that much like a father now, granted I'm, it's the wrong gender 
when you're talking about the church, but much like a father, um, uh, fathers a child or a son specifically, um, that son will eventually grow to an age where he doesn't want anything to do with the father's teachings for whatever reason, whether it be rebellion or because he wants to do his own thing or whatever, right? Wants to come to his own decisions, whatever. And I said, and I think that's why I have a problem with these, with, with Pentecostals specifically is because they don't, a lot of them through ignorance don't even know what their father had before them, meaning the Catholic church, because there was only the Catholic church and then there was a split and then there was Pentecostalism somewhere along the line. And because of that, Pentecostalism does not pay homage to the father of themselves, which is Catholic church. And that aggravates me because it's like me, I have such a great, um, I have such a great uh, relationship with my father that it bothers me that Pentecostals don't even try to be like, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, an absent father that, that they could have the ability to go and be having a relationship with, but they just don't do it. That's what bothers me in a lot of ways. And I had this epiphany and it just kind of blew my mind. So. Well, and, and Joe, like, to, like just kind of tie something on that. And it's like, this is the important thing. Too, it's like when you look at the early church, right? Like, there's a lot of things you just said a moment ago, not from you, but from all, about like the, the difficulty yeah. of this is already a wrong perception for me. Yeah. It's like what matters is what's true. And that's what matters. Yeah. What's hard, we'll figure that out later. But what's true is like kind of the pinnacle. And it's like this lack of homage, I think, has led to a lot of bad takes. Because if you look at the early church, I would call this period patristic. Apostolic fathers as well. Like they're right. Apostolic fathers too, right? Not just patristic fathers. Yeah, okay. Correct. Well, they're in they're in the patristic title. Sorry, this delay is killing me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) I I just feel horrible about it because I can't see you or discern or hear you sometimes so um but uh with the early church right like they had writings from ignatius of antioch and then later irenaeus which in, in case you're wondering ignatius of antioch is going to be one of john's disciples and he's actually tradition holds the little boy that came up to jesus jesus said let the little kid come to me so it's kind of like his interesting story but he is also ordained and leading the church and, and then irenaeus too they're going to say like so you're going to talk about Docetus. So a Docetus like doesn't believe that Jesus actually became man at all. They believe it's God appearing as men. And they're saying like, you guys can't be in communion with us because if you deny the incarnation, you deny his real presence in communion in the Eucharist. And so like the early church is going to say like, they're going to say, if you don't believe Christ is present in the, in the Eucharist, you're not with us. And so they hear the earliest figures, right? And these are figures taught by the disciples themselves. So if the disciples taught it wrong, then we're all lost. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they can make it one generation without it getting messed up. I mean, and obviously we don't believe that's true. So we hold the disciples' teachings are true. And like, they're, they're adamant about this, you know? And I think also like when talking about like the Catholic tradition, like with the Eucharist, we see in John chapter six, um, you know, 45 to like 51 in that range, we see Jesus telling a large crowd, he says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. He who does not eat and drink my blood does not have eternal life. He who does, I shall abide in him. I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Now, what's interesting is the Jews take this literally. He's talking to the Jews. They take it literally. And they say, how can this be? How can you give us your flesh and blood to drink? We don't understand. 
And then he says, truly, truly, I tell you, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. And what's interesting is at the end of that section, a lot of disciples leave Jesus. A lot of his followers leave Jesus. And Jesus turns and, and he says, are you going to leave me too? And, and the disciples say, Master, this is a hard, a hard teaching. And so Jesus says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter says, to whom else can we go? For you alone have the words of eternal life. Right now, contrast this with Nicodemus, and that's how I know I'm anti but with Nicodemus, Jesus tells Nicodemus, You must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice a lot of a lot of Protestants will say, You should be born again. The only time that appears is here in scripture, and Jesus says, You must be born of spirit and water, which means baptism, it has to be there to be born again. So, interestingly enough, Protestants use that term born again, but the only time it's mentioned in scripture, they don't actually do the component that's required. Well, anyway, so Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus takes it literally, right? Just like the other Jews. And he says, how can I crawl back into my mother's womb? And then Jesus corrects him. And he says, no, 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 no. You must be born of spirit and water. And so even even among Jesus himself, like you have a case where he said something. They took it literally. He corrected them and said, hey, no, this is a spiritual lesson. But in John 6, you see he doubles down. On eating the flesh and drinking the blood, it cost a lot of followers and a lot of people abandoning Jesus at that point. And so, like for the early church, this was a big deal. You had to believe he was truly present under the accidentals of bread and wine. And if you didn't believe that, you were not in. <laughs> you weren't considered really to be in the church. Or if you weren't in it, you were considered to be a heretic, which means like you were in it, but then you you abandoned it. And it's a big deal. So, you know, I think. Kind of back, Joe, to your point, it's like mm-hmm. when we forget the past, we forget what was important for the disciples and their students and the succession of all the bishops that were ordained in that line. We, we, we forget the most important things for them was the Eucharist. That's communion. Because church in, in the medieval yeah, period. That, that the Eucharist is communion where you actually physically where, eat and drink, right? Yeah, go ahead. Go drink, ahead. I'm talking that's long. the I'm physical so act of taking communion is the Eucharist. Yes, in that Christ is, for Catholics, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So the technical term is transubstantiation, right? And what this means is a substance, pulling from Aristotle, is that which makes a thing what it is. And then you have accidentals, that which appear to us. So what Catholics mean by body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist is that the substance, that which makes that thing what it is, has become Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. The entire so like, being of Jesus, so like physically, the God Man in that. But the accident, but it's not like you can look under a microscope and see Jesus. You'll just see bread, or you'll just see wine. So these are the accidentals. So the substance has been changed, oh, hold but on, the Patrick. accidentals hold on, remain. You look you. like you're struggling. Maybe I don't know. No, I'm I'm grasping. Oh, you are okay. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm following. I mean, okay. not, not like real close. Like if you put on the brakes, yeah, break yeah. My teeth. Uh, and I just mean to use this to say like we don't believe it symbolically. Jesus. We believe yeah, yeah, it's yeah. literally Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 so what he's saying it's, it's a literal. Yeah, it's a literal, but the bread and the wine are are almost like mirages of the literal. Right. It's sort of. It's so it's it's still just like a like a show, kinda. No. No. So the bread and the water are a show, but right. but taking it in, no. you are taking the actual literal literal. So body of Christ. A, down to atomic levels or what we could perceive as atomic levels, I guess, is yeah. actually real, the body and the blood of Jesus. Yeah. 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 
that yes and jesus is always in the church in a literal sense so not when two or more are gathered in my name i should be there not that way i mean he's there that way when two or more are gathered in his name as well there's different modalities of how jesus approaches but in the tabernacle itself which is the gold box generally behind an altar you'll see a candle lit all the time because there's always um consecrated bread and wine usually in there um mm. and so jesus is always present so like when we say church is holy ground what we mean is it's holy because the figure of Jesus Literally. is in there. In, in every there, place that, 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 that is there. So That's yeah, why it's yeah. holy. Every one of those buildings that have consecrated blood or Correct. consecrated wine, bread, and then the candle, I'm assuming. Yeah. Correct. And here's the thing. The early church is 100% on board with this teaching. Unanimously on board with this teaching, except for the Gospels. And so... It's become a, a, it's, and so what, what did early church look like, right? Because when Thomasins go to church now, right? You go, you sing some worship songs, you listen to a guy talk for an hour, you pray, you go. Early churches in the early days, right? There were house churches. What they would do is they would go, they would get together, they would read whatever scripture they had or whatever oral traditions they had been given. And then they would have the Eucharist. Right? And keep in mind, right? Paul says in First Corinthians, this is a very interesting passage for people um, who are curious about like the weight of this. Paul says that because you're taking the Eucharist, right, in a in a mortal sinful state, right, because you're worshiping all these other gods, but you still come and join at the house church with Christians, he says you eat and drink to your own damnation. And Paul says this is why some of you are sick, and this is why some of you are dying. And so Paul, even Paul, like, it's not symbolic when Paul says this is the reason you're sick and dying. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is weight to this, and it is held in the early church as his body and blood. And so once that change happens, you then have to ask, what do you get from that? Well, if you get graces, well, what does that mean? Because under Protestant vision, your salvation's assured. you got eternal security in most of those churches, not Westlands or Methodists. Um, but it's like, what graces, what could the graces be doing for you? Right. And, and you run into this and then you see that like, you needed the graces to live holy. You needed to live holy so you can grow more like Christ so you can avoid mortal sin and avoid hell. And it's like, so a lot of this stuff has just been sort of ripped out and pieces remain, right? Like in Protestant churches, you have baby dedications and a lot of them. It's like, that's really just trying to be into baptism. You know what I'm saying? There's the shell of the old church, but there's no beliefs of the church. And that's why I say yeah. a lot of them are shiny veneers. They have yeah. certain looks, but rot. Yeah. On well, beliefs. I think we lost Braden. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was here. <laughs> Bo, Bo had to go tinkle, but. um. No, it's fine. It's very hard, though. Like, yeah. That's why I wanted a camera so I could see you guys. Because I, I yeah. promise if I was there, I wouldn't. Yeah. Talk well, much. I don't. <laughs> You know, it's just one of those things. Man, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys guys care? I've thought it's been interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's not a typical Saturday uh, conversation for me, so it's not bad. Um, I've I've got no interest in going to the Catholic Church, like you guys probably are interested, or even Braden's kind of curious about you know the Catholicism. But it is kind of cool to clear some of the air that I've been very judgmental and been wrong on. So yeah. Come, yeah. come at it with more of a clear clear yeah. mind. And, and 
And also, just to touch on it for anyone listening, like in the future, Catholics do not worship Mary. I don't know like where this I mean, idea. My dad bloody told me that. Really my dad's gonna say that's like, like a really common common thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, like oh, we don't the Catholics. But don't Mary. you? They're where we pray to Mary. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do pray to Mary. Yes. No, 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 no. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, prayer has two different uses of the word. So when we say we pray to God, that is in form of worship, when we pray to Mary, we're using the Shakespearean contraction of privy, right, which became the word pray. And so Shakespeare would say, I privy open the door. You're making a request. So when we pray, we're invoking them to pray for us. So you're requesting them to pray for you. It's not the same thing as praying to God um, in any stretch of the imagination. Now we venerate them, right? So we hold them as like emulatable, like these are people who really lived um, a good faith in life, and Mary is the chief. Mary is the best because her yes to the Archangel Gabriel, she cooperated with the salvation of the world by saying yes and becoming the mother of the Savior, becoming the Theotokos, which means the God-bearer. And so, but we don't worship Mary, right? We don't offer sacrifices to Mary. We don't do those things, right? Um, it, but, I don't know why people but you're asking, time have sort of come to You're this asking Mary to... Because we, um, hmm? pray for you yeah it's a, it's a form of pray asking for, for uh intervention so is she not in heaven or she is in heaven she, she is in she heaven. Would, yeah okay she is in heaven so this is what i meant earlier by the bigger cosmology right hold we on, say hold right because first on. of all asking a saint to pray on, for buddy. you it shouldn't be a problem for protestants anyway because protestants often hey, say hey will hey, you hey, pray hey, for hey, me? hey hey right so we we we, hey, we look Patrick. for the intercession of others all the time the difference is, Paul says, how can one part hey, of the body Patrick. say to the other, I have no need of you? So in the Catholic Church, literally the saints in heaven still have need. Buddy, right? literally they, buddy they boy, can still pray buddy for because we're uh, one body. Do you, hey, Bo, do you know what cosmology means? Yeah, it's the field of study that brings together natural sciences, particularly astronomy and <laughs> physics, in a joint effort to understand the physical universe as an <laughs> undefined whole. Yeah. So, so Patrick. <laughs> pa- yeah. When I use cosmology, I just yeah, mean yeah. like so, the economy so gonna, of how God structures. So you're probably going like, to say most of that again because Bo was spending time looking up cosmology. I, <laughs> <laughs> you're such a fucking narc. <laughs> Can I sound smart once? No, no. I'll, here's the simple, 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 right? We ask people to pray for us all the time. And Paul says, pray for me, brothers and sisters. Paul says, I pray for you every time he writes to the church. So, okay. So we already have people interceding on our behalf. And we believe that holds value. We believe it's valuable. Because some people are like, why would I pray to saints if I could just pray to God? Why do you ask people to pray for you when you could just pray to God? Because God wants us to do it. And that's honestly throughout the New Testament. The only difference between us and Protestants is we don't believe that death separates them out of the body. Right? They can still hear our prayers. How do they hear our power? How do they hear our prayers? Because God has invested in them the ability to do so. He has given them the power to hear our prayers and pray for him. If you want like a scriptural connotation, in Revelation, it's very interesting. The saints come up to the throne of God and they're holding bowls of incense, of prayers that, that flow up to God. So that scene is described in Revelation and that's exactly right. If they pray for us to God, um, they're the same thing as me okay. asking you to pray. Okay, so let's hit some hot anyway, ones. Yeah. Purgatory, what is it? And who goes there? Ooh. Okay, so purgatory, super, yeah, I'll give yeah. these like rapid fire rounds. Uh, purgatory, if you're in purgatory, you're going to heaven, okay? The only final destinations in 
Christianity is heaven and hell. So purgatory is where you go when you have to be purged of the remnants of the damage sin is done. I'll give you an example. Let's say I kill someone, right? I commit, or like, let's say I enjoy killing people. I don't know. We'll go there. And I confess those sins to God. And God forgives them right? through confession. I, while the sin has been forgiven, my desire for the sin still remains. You see what I'm saying? Like the sin has been forgiven, but there's a disorder within me that still wants to do that or still has enjoyed that. You know, and so ultimately what purgatory is for is the burning away of the disorders and the wounds that sin has left in us. Now, here's, I think, a point where Catholics and Protestants agree. Protestants, we usually say that there's no sinning in heaven. Well, if we don't sin in heaven, what happens between here and heaven that causes you to not sin? See, they believe in purgatory. They just think it happens in an instant, where Catholics might say it might take some time. Mm. But ultimately, something has to happen that causes us sinful beings to not sin in heaven. And this purgatory is that period of reorganizing in proper orders towards God. If you go to purgatory, you're going to heaven in the end. Pretty good. Uh, it's, purgatory, it's purgatory yeah. like, do we have any uh, describing factors for it? it? What it looks like, what it's like, what the temperature is? Is there Coca-Cola, anything like that? No. So the church actually only holds uh, three things about it. Um, I'm trying to well, What about, what about hell? Quote what over about... Here. They just believe that it's oh. discomforting, so it's painful, because you're moving away from your disorder. So like, Trying to move away from your bad desires is often painful, right? It takes a burning of oneself that it's some duration of time and that you end up going to heaven in the end. And that there's okay, like so intercession can okay, so help here as well. You committed a mortal sin, uh, but you've been to confession before. You do a mortal sin and you're not on your way to confession. Uh, you get killed. That's a hell trip, not a purgatory trip. Purgatory is for people that have been to confession and don't have to confess a mortal sin. No, no, no. So... So, yeah, well, yeah, well, so purgatory is for those who don't okay. die in a state of unrepentant mortal sin. Yes. So that means they have achieved salvation, but they need to be purified because Revelation says nothing, okay. nothing unclean can enter heaven, right? So, like, it's the process through which we remove the sin in ourselves. Um, if you want what the church will point to as a picture of it, I really prefer yeah. Dante's. Uh, you know, he wrote yeah. Inferno, Purgatorio, and Paradiso. But if you look at Dante's Purgatory, there's um, Purgatorio, There's a scene where like the proud have giant rocks on their shoulders, and they stare at a picture of David dancing before the ark. Um, and so they're because they're, their sin, that their disorder is pride. And so they're warning humility, because the pride is like that boulder that's weighing them down, that's keeping them from being yeah. the free individual God wants you to be. And they look at a picture of David, who's the picture of humility here where he's dancing um, in a one clock before the ark. Um, okay. So that's a good way of understanding purgatory, that it's trained to Crazy. help your disorders get fixed. So, that's so we can literally say it's a place that you're going to go. Wow. That's great. I never, I didn't, I did not understand what purgatory was. That's crazy. So that's the, that's, that's the idea. And is there specific, yeah. specific places in scripture where it mentions this place purgatory? Uh, yeah. So, um, the, the one is going to be um, in Second Maccabees. Now, you, right. Protestants don't Cause... hold that as, uh, as valid, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that one. Um, but Paul has a thing in 1 Corinthians here. Uh, so I have my Bible in front of me. Let me read. It's 11. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he, Paul writes, 
No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on a foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, each man's work will become manifest for the day um, will disclose it. That's just background context. You don't really need that, right? So the next part is, if the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So what we have Paul here saying is, you didn't have the works, right? You didn't really live the life of Christ. You're not really a mortal sin. He goes, you will be refined in fire, but you will be saved, oh. right? And so that would be an example where Catholics yeah. would say that's purgatory manifest. And the other one is okay. Second Maccabees where they're praying for the dead. After um, after uh, Maccabee, Judah Maccabee, whatever his first name is, I always forget it, is um, going out to the bodies, and he sees that they had pagan um castles on them so they weren't completely trusting in god they were committing idolatry and he says we should pray for them in hopes that they arrive to heaven. okay so that's, that's the awesome. other verse but but i would say you believe it i would say protestants believe it too it's just it happens in an instance because i don't know why protestants would say why you don't sin in heaven anymore i think what they would probably say is yeah. that you shed the flesh yep. and they would say sin is in the flesh but like hatred and betrayal aren't sins that benefit the body in any way. So I would say, like, you still have a disordered soul as well. But basically, something happens. Maybe you just see the full revelation of God, and you don't want to commit sins anymore. That's still purgatory. Yeah, it okay. just happens it's, in it's, it's, Then hell. Uh, hell, what kind of picture is that like? Is that like typical uh, fire, flames, and demons, and torture? And Okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or like, um, I mean, whatever it is, it's painful. Right. It might, it could possibly be just the absence of God. However, I don't lean myself to that because there are plenty of people living with the uh, absence of God right now on earth and they're living it up, having yeah. a good old time. So I don't really lean myself towards like that's what it okay. is. But it, whatever it is, it's painful. The fires may be metaphorical, um, but whether metaphorical or not, it's painful. Okay. Wailing national teeth, I don't right. want to go there. So <laughs> I was just going to ask a few more of those. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> the beads that you have. That oh, the yeah. rosary. Um, oh, the rosary. Could, could, is there a way to, to rough chop that into to something pretty quick there? I mean, like... Uh, I, I've, uh, uh, yes, so the rosary is a Bible on beads, right? And so, basically, the rosary moves you through the mysteries, and the mysteries are going to be events from Christ's life. Right? It's going to be the incarnation... Like, for instance, I'll, do, I'll give you the sorrowful. Let's say you're playing the sorrowful mystery. You're going to meditate on the scripture passage of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Christ with the crown of thorns, Christ with the scourging of the pillar, Christ with the carrying of his cross and, and his stumbles, and Christ at the crucifixion. And so you have four sets of mysteries. All mysteries focus on different parts of Christ's life with scripture. Um, so that's what it's meant to do. It's I, meant to call you in to meditate on Christ. The second thought feature is the beads in between are it's a Marian devotion. Right. So we ask Mary while we're meditating on these things to pray for right. us now and at the hour of our death. Right. So you do 10 Hail Marys, mystery, 10 Hail Marys, mystery, 10 Hail Marys, mystery. You also what, have it, um, the Our Father. What's so special about hey, after every, pa, 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 beat, every big beat <laughs> in the, in the, after a decade? And you have some other prayers um, that aren't Mary. Okay, related, hey, hey, man, so what, what, what's Mary. with the repetition? What, what's the is there a is that like a is that something scriptural or is that just like something that the church put in? Order like why why ten Hail Marys why that kind of stuff? 
Well, it became ten because originally people would pray with the Psalms, oh. right? The hundred and fifty Psalms, and so ultimately those who couldn't read or didn't have the privilege of hearing that um, began to pray one hundred and fifty Hail Marys, and so the Rosary's nickname um, Mary Salter, um, and so basically the way I would explain it is um, there's a lot of ways here, but to me the when if you feel monotonous. Right, because you're praying the same prayer over and over again, going up. That's how your sins feel to God. The monotony of committing the same sin over and over and over and over and over again. Um, so that's one way to look mm-hmm. at it. It's like a battering ram is another way. Multiple okay. hits right through the door. There's a dedication. Um, so so, so there's some prayer. outline there's things that are, that are done by the Catholic Church to kind of like uh, whoever that was created by, uh, whoever created the rosary and and and. Uh, this formulation of prayer. It's just like a practice that the Catholic church has put in place for its followers to kind of stay true, meditate, um, do things that they're supposed to be doing. Um, well, we hold that the rosary was given a saint. as a spiritual weapon oh. from the blessed mother, like from Mary oh. in an apparition to St. Dominic. So she appeared before Dominic cause heresy was traveling the land. And so she tells St. Dominic, right. If you pray this, this heresy will be defeated in this land. So, and so Catholic theologians throughout the ages would say it's a very strong spiritual weapon um, because it utilizes the mysteries of Christ's life, right? The Hail Mary prayer comes from two parts in Scripture. The only part that's not from Scripture is to pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Um, so we're really just reciting Scripture and praying, and you can do it with intentions. So we would believe it's a very powerful prayer that the Mother of Jesus wants us to pray. Because it points us towards her heart, which is a pure reflection of Jesus, right? So the more we can be like Mary in response to Jesus, the more we can be closer to the love of Jesus. Because Mary's Mary's lines are, do whatever he tells you, right? She's always pointing to Christ. And that's why you see her on a Mary statue. You'll see her um, on a crescent moon. Because a moon has no light in and of itself. But a moon reflects the sun's light. So Mary is the perfect image of the reflection of Jesus Christ's life as as um, his mother. So anyway, there's a lot of that. So we believe it's a powerful devotion that's given to us from the mother of Jesus yeah. um, and has good effects. Go ahead. Just on the Mary thing. So, I mean, it's reasonable to say like, because uh, my, my dad, when we, why we weren't Catholic is because it seemed to be that the Catholic church kind of raised Mary up into this like pedestal as to where I was raised that she was just a human being that just still sinned, still flawed, had other children besides oh boy, uh, Jesus. And yeah, yeah. Where we would differ here is Mary is just a human being. She's raised up because she bears a special privilege. First, of all. how many <laughs> other humans give birth to God? I mean, let's start there. Like she's a special human. Doesn't mean she, she's not a deity or a demigod. She's right? not divine no. in any way. But we hold that she never committed any sin and was not born in original sin. So the Catholic Church, that's what we mean by she was immaculately conceived. We believe that the moment of conception, the the, the grace of Christ on the cross, right? Where it's backward, just like it does for the Old Testament, the grace of Christ saved her from having ever entered into sin to begin with. Wow. So she was a sinless being. And she is the new Eve, just like Adam is, the, just like Jesus is the new Adam. She's the go new ahead, Eve. Ahead, so, yeah, yeah, well, that, so that, that's it. Okay. Okay. You said this before, earlier in this podcast. So she literally, just by saying yes to Gabriel, 
uh, or whoever, or yeah, whatever. It was Gabriel. Yeah. It was Gabriel. Okay. She. It was Gabriel. And immediately, uh, there was, because she had to have sinned. Uh, up, up. No, 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 no. At, at the moment she was conceived, and Anne and Jehoiakim, our parents, right? And the moment she was conceived in St. Anne's womb, she was saved from ever having been born into original no. sin. She was just like Eve in the garden before the fall. And she committed no sin okay, in her so, life. So that's a Catholic position. right? And so when you look at the Greek for full of grace, right? How is Mary already full of grace before Jesus arrives? That is a good question. And, the, and if you look in the Greek, it's you've been full of grace is, is the correct translation of pointing there, right? You've been this way. She's been full of grace from the beginning. You might ask, well, why? Well, the Ark of the Covenant had special instructions, right? In the Old Testament. It had to be a certain materials. It had to be gold-lined, you know, contained within it. The rod of Aaron High Priest, uh, the manna that came down from heaven for the uh, Israelites in Egypt. And, that, and it contained the commandments of Moses. Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. And it was also specially prepared by God's grace to have not sinned. Right, And inside her, it contains Jesus, the new high priest, Jesus, the word made flesh in the commandments, and Jesus, the living bread, which comes down from heaven. Right, So she is the new ark, and okay. she also was specially it, prepared. Is that, that, and now is that belief, is that taken from the Bible, scriptures, What or was that just kind of like, was that kind of like... No, it, it's both. So the, so the early church generally holds Mary was sinless. There was a debate on if she had original sin or not, which that's a, but she doesn't. That the church will definitively on that. So we have scripture that would cite this, right? Um, first of all, we start with Genesis, right? You know, the Proto-Evangelion. That's Genesis 3.15. That's the first prophecy, if you read your Bible in linear order, of Jesus, right? And he says to the serpent, right? He says to the serpent, I will put enmity, which means separation. I will put enmity between your seed and the woman. Between you oh. and her offspring. So even from Genesis 3.15, which is the first prophecy, because um, it says, you will strike his heel and he will crush your head. Now keep in mind, Golgotha is also known as the place of the skull because Jesus defeats sin and death and Satan in the crucifixion, right? So Jesus is the one prophesied there. But look at the first line. I will put enmity between your seed. That's original sin. That's sin itself. Yeah, I'll but- put separation between you and the woman. So from the beginning, it's always, it, that's what I mean by a full picture. Jesus is the new Adam. Mary is the new Eve. And you see this in John. Read John's gospel. He goes in the beginning of John's gospel. He goes through six days. And then on the seventh day is the wedding feast of Cana, where it's Jesus and Mary there. The way they go to the wedding feast. And the only, we don't know who's at the wedding. Right? Like We don't know any of the names of the people there. We only know Jesus and Mary. Those are the stars of the last day. So John is recreating the creation, showing the recreation that is coming now through Christ. And Mary is a picture of Eve here, also sinless. So there's a beautiful corollary. And the early church all held Mary to be the new Eve, almost unanimously. Um, so it's one of those things where I think there's good scripture representation of it. And I also think like we have enough tradition to say like this is a this is a good belief yeah. to hold. To me, to me it- just because so, yeah. it just sounds like a reach, but it does add up. Like if, if you're just going to take that for what it was, yeah, that makes sense. And so that was probably a big debate among, amongst that early church, huh? Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, you know what? They were okay. So the one thing they were kind of unanimous about was Mary wasn't ten, but they weren't convinced that she wasn't. There was debate about yeah, was she that, born that, that's in what I would go with or not. And so, yeah, yeah. Right. So that was where the debate is in the medieval time. Like someone like Aquinas said, uh, he thought that that did destruction. Oh, to that's the, the argument it, it, that if she was born. If she was born so with was, sin, how could Christ be born yeah, from her? And see, I don't think God needs a, a a sinless body to put Jesus in. I just. Oh yeah, I agree. That's a bad argument. We wouldn't make that argument as a church. But you know, I would say like John Scotus came out and basically said, "There's two ways you can save someone. Right? If someone falls in a hole." I can reach my hand down there and pull them out. That's Jesus' crucifixion for all of us. And he goes, but I can also save someone by stopping them from falling in the hole to begin with. So the big argument at the time was, is Jesus Mary's savior if she never sinned? And and so that was where Aquinas had an issue with it. But Dornstone Scotus made this case and became the accepted view. Um, it was later instantiated by uh, uh, a Pope ex cathedra, um, but that's how it's viewed that Jesus saved her from ever having committed sin, for example. Because she also has a bit more knowledge about certain things, too, and infused knowledge. So there's a lot of like smaller right. things that would take too long to get, get into that would also kind of show that, you it know, was, she has some of the preternatural so what, gifts, like the gifts before we fall. So the question becomes, what did we lose in the fall? Because we lost a bunch of things. I don't believe scripture would support that Mary lost. And so then what about, sorry. No, you're fine. Oh, so then what about, but you keep losing Brayden. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I just, the Mary thing's been interested in me because that was like my, my father's number one, like, Hey man, they're, they're, they, they throw up Mary before Christ, you know, and worship. And we're not, we're supposed to be no, no other gods, no idols in the church, yeah. no statues well, of Mary. Well, I don't no, know. Nothing. Even in this. Oh, there, she's not an idol. Right. Because an idol would be worshipped in definition of an idol. Right? We, just get, we don't worship them. We don't worship Mary. Never have. She's just a human. Oh, She's just the highest example yeah. of a perfect human. And it's just an interesting way to say that you're you know? not praying to Mary, but asking Mary to pray for you. So, yeah. But we still have statues Correct. of her. And they're, yeah. So, I... I yeah, cause, because yes. we believe she's the mother of the church. Now, what does that mean? Right. She's the mother of Christ, right? And the church is the mystical body of Christ. So she is our mother. In Revelation 17, there's an example of her with the infant Christ in heaven, right? Talking about her children. Um, those who are being persecuted for the beliefs, right? That's Christians in general. And so it's like she is, like she is a gift that the Lord has given to okay. us. Yeah. Pray for us, but yeah, but like once again, I don't know how anyone could say we're worshiping because if you take the main prayer that we're going to do, right? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. That's how the angel. That's what the angel yeah. Gabriel said to Mary. So I also you know, have it. Where's your sign here that I think um, backs up Patrick's, which is that like if you are married to someone, which I know Jesus isn't married to Mary, but if you are married to someone, you don't idolize the person you're married to, but they are important. Period. And like Mary in, in the metaphor of everything that Jesus and Mary are metaphors for is a metaphor for the wedded one, which is Eve, I would say. And so to me, it's like, you can't get, you can't worship Jesus without having worshiped Mary at, at the same time. It's a lot like, uh, trying to separate the past from the present. You can't do it because you can't have the present without the past having happened first. So like, do you ever think that God wanted like Adam and Eve to have Jesus? 
and then like she fell. So then he had to wait. And it's just, a, it's just, it's just crazy that that was that timeline. Uh, well, well, I'll comment like a, a little bit on this, right? Because I think this is interesting. Would Jesus have come if Adam and Eve had not sinned? I think so. I actually hold the answer that I think Dunn Scotus substantiates, yeah. I think it was him, that yes, that I think the reason Satan fell, because all we really know from Scripture, Satan fell from pride. I think he fell because God decided to join himself to humanity in the incarnation. And, and as an angel being infinitely more powerful than humans, that's a hard thing to accept that you would now be worshiping one that's full of God and full of human. And so I think it was always the plan from the beginning for Jesus yeah. to come incarnate. Fascinating. Um, yeah, yeah, that's my take on that. Interesting. Thing. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to process, isn't it, Bo? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, it, it I, took I, me a good six months to process all of that. It, it really did. Uh, oh well, I. In all fairness, I'm probably not. I probably will think about a handful of the things today with true concern. I'm not thinking about changing to Catholicism, but oh. there was. Well, this but is there before was, I was even thinking about changing the oh, yeah. Well, but, but I, I tell you what, I'm glad that, uh, like I've said before, that the air is a little more clear. And it's kind of cool to have a little bit more understanding of this Mary situation because my dad's not a not smart person, you know. Yeah. But uh, the reason how that, that kind of argument was, I think I was kind of blanketed a lot of statements as a child. Just be like, stay away from that. We're going to do this yeah, yeah, as a yeah. religion. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's like, and that's why I was saying, like, at the end of the prayer, right? So the first two parts of the scripture, we say, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Like, it is built into, like, the name. If if we really had any type of idolatry or worship, we wouldn't say, pray for us to your son, our Lord and Savior, God. But, you know, like, we would say, just you. And I just just don't think those, I don't. And so... You know, it's one of those things. I don't think those prayers go emotions, anywhere. I guess. And so, like, I wouldn't waste time asking for Mary to pray for me. I would not. Be, I'd, I'd go I'm up. Not. Like, give me a second. Fucking Jesus. Good Lord. So I would. I wouldn't waste my time doing that. <laughs> but I would. I mean, if you have time, why not cover all the bases? But I mean, like, if you're at a moment of death, uh, like I'm praying to Jesus, like, please God, I'm trying to go right to the source. Now, if you can't go to the source, then that's a problem for me. So, like, why wouldn't why? Well, you but, but but you can go to the source if you want. Like going to the source is fine. The way we can describe Mary as like a chef who like has the food, like and then the chef will lay the food out, right? And then someone will come and prep the plate yeah. and make it more beautiful. I, right? I, this is kind of Mary's intercession. Yeah. She takes our prayers yeah. and she preps it and gives it like the prayer. Like all prayers. I understand that God. concept. So your prayers yeah. get into God whether well, you pray directly you know, to Him or through an intercession. You know, I, I still going to me. Cause like it, when I had a problem with it, 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 it still felt like I was praying to Mary. And, and, and I think that maybe, but also Bo has some history with his dad, like you were saying. So like me, I, you know, I think for me, it's more so of an instance of like, uh, like what you said, if you're, if you're, if you're okay with asking pastor so-and-so or brother Braden or brother Bo or or even Bo's dad to pray for me, then why would I not also ask Mary to pray for me? Like, that's my biggest thing is like with this whole argument is like, if you're so okay with the living praying for you, why are you not okay with the dead praying for you? I think it's because like we're the word two or three are gathered thing. Agree with me in prayer. I'm pretty sure that's why. And we're not supposed to summon ghosts. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm not saying you're that not, it's right or anything. Summoning I'm a ghost. Just, yeah. You're not summoning summoning ghost. She's, oh, she's, she's dead. She's alive in heaven in the sense that she's, she her spirit is alive maybe her body and stuff 
Oh, no, okay. she, well, never yeah, she has her body and soul. That's the assumption, Doctor. We believe that her body and soul. Well, here's why, right? What is death? Yeah. What is death? It's a separation of your soul and your body. Now, if Mary isn't, did not contract original sin, she did not contract the penalties of original sin. Gotcha. So, yes. So we hold that she, now she could have still died. The church is fine with this, that she willingly chose death by Christ, but her body is assumed in death. Um, And and there's a lot of theology around that. Um, But I'll just say, going back to the thing, the Mary thing real quick, and praying for a forget. If you have an issue, right, like praying, like if praying to Mary is stunting your relationship with God, right? Now, I think like it shouldn't at all. Anything, I think it helps. But if for you that is the case, the church would tell you, don't do it. Pray directly to God. So it's not like you have to do these kinds of things either. It's just, it's one of the spiritual tools from and the I, church's past. That I think that because you could be a part of the we church and just be that. like, well, it, yeah. going on the same page, yeah. but I don't, I don't. And there's a lot of church teaching that's cool that you could be like that on. Yeah. Not, not all of it. And there are some things yeah. where you definitely can't be that way. Yeah. But like there's a lot of church teaching where you could still, and, and, and again, once I, like I said before, my biggest problem with the Catholic church is nothing you guys have talked about. Mm. It's all the ordination of how priests are become ordained and how bishops are ordained and how popes are ordained and all this other kind of stuff. Like, and it's not even how it's just, we're so far removed in the present time from when the apostolic fathers were there Yeah, that I'm just like, I don't know that I, but you know, there's answers to that and we don't have to get into that Patrick because that's not something that they're interested in. But, um, I'm just saying like, that's my, that's my biggest problem is the ordination process. Yeah. So, I, all I, this other I, stuff, I'm totally down with. Like, I think it's cool. Uh, actually, kind of, I feel the same. Like, yeah. actually, like, there's a, they've got it all figured out. You got all, you kind of got your rules and you've got what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And there's someone there that knows everything that can explain to you. Like, well, this is where we sit. Yeah, and yeah. Instead, when we go to Archer, sometimes they're like, what? You know, there's sometimes there's just, yeah, yeah. Kinda, there, there's too much gray so area. Much, there's so much subjectivity. Yeah. And there's so much like unanswered stuff because. Yep. Either someone in leadership doesn't know the answer because right. they haven't studied enough, or what have, and so it's constantly is. in debate as yeah. opposed to the Catholic Church where they you can go to someone and here you go, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, but but yeah, it's a little simpler because they're like, here's what people, here's what yeah. theologians yeah. have taught for yeah. like two thousand, yeah, like, and here's it comes like down from from, from <laughs> yeah. uh, patristic yeah. fathers to apostolic fathers, and then then all yeah. the way down, and a lot of real smart people, yeah. Uh, do that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, I dig that part of it. Not, yeah. I got nothing bad to yeah, say. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's cool. I, and this is why I say it's been so attractive to me. In, but like, it's been a slow. Pro- if I ever do become Catholic, yeah. it probably won't be this year, next year, or the next five years. It might be 10, 15 years down the road from now. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, I'll, I'll also say, and I want to make clear, that I don't have any like intention of like. Yeah, yeah converting you all when i'm talking i know like sometimes people get you that should be i'm very pastor, preachy man. when i talk you know it's yeah. just it's just a part of me i can't help it i'm working on it but anyway don't i don't want anyone to feel like yeah. i'm just happy to answer questions about yeah. Catholicism, shed light on a christian faith that has sort of been lost yeah. in a lot okay. of areas you, so you should get your own little podcast where people can write in questions and then you could just spend like sunday or saturday morning like <laughs> explaining them to people because i think it sounded like i was listening to a pastor You're, you've got uh if you got any preacher roots in your in your bones no no well yeah well yeah well originally i was going okay. seminary to be an episcopal priest so i had to take classes and i had to talk i had to like 
work on giving wow. homilies and I had to write sermons. So I, 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 it is a little bit a part of me, but you know, to me, to me, it's more of when I find something that I hold like believe to be true, I am genuinely moved by it in my core. So like, I think the preachiness that comes out of me is my own compelling compulsion that this is yeah. truth. And I have found oh, I can say that's very true, happy sure. about it. So, and I think that comes okay, across so as like, with this degree and everything you've got, like, you know, uh, what are you, what are you doing for work right now? No, I, I mean, I mean, like, are you, have you been able to well, apply? <laughs> on time. So, well, so I just was hired to be um, a theology teacher for a Catholic school in Atlanta, uh, in Marietta. Unfortunately, um, I have oh. endless health issues these days. And so I had a surgery right beforehand, and my problems are going to be a hard fix. And so I had to make a hard call, which was I don't want to commit to teaching kids for this school because they pay a lot of money it's an expensive private school i was like i don't want to like commit to these kids and then have like yeah. to bail out all the time because of these issues so i'm in the process of trying to work those out because they're issues that um don't cause me pain but they are very um all right well did yes um which i don't i don't mind saying it well like i'll go into it i i had a few surgeries a couple years back from fistulas and so yeah. basically i struggle with fecal incontinence which basically means I don't shit my pants at any point. And, and I have IBSD, yeah. which increases the likelihood. And so I'm on like a surplus of medications right now. And the goal is we're trying to figure out how yeah. to regain control over it. And if that fails, then yeah. they basically put a pacemaker down there that shoots an electrical so, current through your so, uh, sphincter muscles to close it. So that's the options of the future. But that surgery is really expensive. And insurance usually doesn't cover it because it's um, – yeah. So not Patrick, something that's needed by you know, like, damn, you don't have to be, you don't have to explain yourself if you don't want to. So just, just know that. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I figured that, but I just figured like, yeah. you know, well, hey, I don't, then, I don't mind doing it. So, I mean, if, I don't you, if you guys no, want to cut it out, great, that's up to you. Yeah. Well, no, the, the, the that's a, that's an amazing uphill climb. Have you, have you looked into any naturopathic solutions? And I know everybody <laughs>, laughs and says it's bullshit, but have you like, no, no, no. So, like, ultimately, like, the, the most effective thing oh, so good. far, because I'm making great progress. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, basically, like, the thing that's helping the both is, is a combination of both. So, I'm on a medication that slows down my internal body. Um, so, which is not amazing because it makes you feel sedated. But um, it's off-label use for this medicine. But it basically slows yeah. down your smooth muscle as an unintentional side effect to treat something else. So I'm on it for that side effect. So that oh. means I won't have as many bowel movements, number one. So two, now we have to, let's say I've limited my bowel because I was having like eight a day. So now I'm down to like two a day with that medicine. So now step two is where the more homeopathic remedies come in, which is we have to make the, the stool a type of bulk that is easier to control, right? Um, for a weaker muscle. So we basically have to make it thicker and harder. And this is where I'm using like a lot of like, uh, I think it's like a psychosyllabin mushrooms fiber. Hell so yeah. that's where like this is coming into play. Um, where I'm taking like a bunch of that. And what that'll do is it'll absorb the water in my gut to make it more solid. And then if I need to make it 
more from there. I can take um, Bro- uh, like Bro- emoji and things like that. So I'm, I'm getting there. Like I've been Dude, much brother, better. Brother, you just you just you just bricked up like, Bo so hard. Like, <laughs> mushrooms. And, you, and it's not even the same fucking mushrooms that he's well, thinking about. I'll tell you this. I think no offense to this podcast, but I think it's turned to complete shit at this point, huh? No one what? gets the joke? Okay. Oh, my God. You <laughs> hey, so, but, Pat, Pat, that was, that's, there's other people going through that shit, and I hope that you get, you get through it. And it's yeah. pretty badass that uh, you don't seem like a guy that, that lets uh, life get you down. Damn, fella. That would have been, I wouldn't have. Uh yeah no that's not the case I I complained about wanting Damn. to die to Joe by a lot but you know I've had just been a rough couple of years with a lot of surgeries um I've had four surgeries in the last like three years and like they've Damn. all been like annoying ones but you know I'm trying to transition into like work from home stuff in the future too like I I'm trying to find something like work related that I can like um not be a hindrance to me but the problem is it's like when you compete for work from home jobs. You don't like you go work at a factory or something, right? You compete with all the people in that area. When you com- when you apply for work from home jobs, yeah. you compete with everyone in the country. <laughs> so it becomes like a much harder field and sadly secular businesses aren't like, Wow, you got a theology degree from Yale. You're a perfect for our business. You know, it's, it's not a very I, I think it's awesome. Degree. I think you should do something with it. I think you should I think you should do some podcasts. I think you should get your uh Get your knowledge out there. You, you you have a true passion, which makes me listen for what you're talking about, which he, is cool. He, we also used to have a podcast together, but this is pre his Yale degree. Yeah. And so because oh. of that, he was very apprehensive to like yeah. let it out there because he, I remember. Yeah, because he was dumb as shit. Yeah. He yeah. Was, yeah he, you were fucking retarded. Yeah, I knew I was stupid. He felt as if he was stupid. And like, to be fair, like. The difference is gigantic between the yeah that time and now. Yeah, it's cool, man. That's I, I, that, these are great questions. And, and is it okay? So we're we're at, we're at two forty. Yeah. So your girl gets her at three. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whoops. Does that gotta go? No, yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay. No, yeah. So um, hey, this does it, it's got a girl. Yeah, I know. What a what a bitch. <laughs> we'll talk about um, that later. So so hey, uh, does anybody have any quick rapid rapids for Pat? No, dude, thanks for being so thorough on your answers, though. That was cool. Yeah. And yeah. I know, and Patrick, I want you to know, I know you feel like yeah. bad because there was a lag and cutting out and stuff like that, but don't, don't feel bad about it, man. And, you know, uh, no, thank you so much, yeah, Pat. Sure it did. was awesome. And, yeah. and, and it was cool. There's a lot of questions asked and a ton of questions answered. And it was cool to get some, a real pro on, right? Yeah, yeah. And congratulations. You're our first guest ever. Yep. And thanks to you, our fucking last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe actually corrected me earlier. I was technically the first guest when I called oh, in on that issue. Yeah. 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 Okay. And then my last and final question for you. Um, I'm asking for a friend. This is not for, for me. It's for a friend. Um, so like homosexuality. If if you're if you're practicing this practicing this practice of homosexuality as long as it's with friends that you've known for a long long time, is the Catholic Church still cool with it? Oh, not for I'm not asking for me. Oh, it's it's for a friend. Sure, Bo. Sure, whatever. As long as it's with friends that you've been best friends uh, with for a long time. Yeah, it's gonna be a hard no. But uh, yeah, well, I'm sad that like I'm oh. not sad that we took so much time with Catholicism, but. Maybe one day I will chat to all of you again about some yeah. of the other things you've talked about on this podcast. 
about just the world and like uh you know viewing society and things like that uh i mean i had a blast talking about catholicism but i am sad we didn't branch on to some other things but i'm also happy that i you know hey for sure Uh, we'll have you on again and 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 it'd be cool if one day well josiah's just got to get a better paying job then he can fly you out here yeah so yeah get on that how you can do that with a girlfriend i'll fly you out here just let me know yeah hell yeah (laughs) well well, I'm hoping to transition back into work and well, build we, might, we might be able so to talk money, money balls over um, here into, into a flight. Are you gonna are you gonna <laughs> keep skirting this question, Patrick? Because you didn't answer it. <laughs> the the one about homosexuality. What? What? <laughs> Oh, oh no! Oh, I said I that. Hear to you. Know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You seemed real interested in that. Brother. I was, man. Yeah, I, well, maybe I've been in a no couple gills. assholes. I don't know. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, I've had so many fingers in mine from doctors in the last four years that. I'm dying. My balls hurt now. Yeah. <laughs> that was a perfect ending, Pat. I yeah, think we'll, yeah. I think we'll, I think we'll throw it on the end there. <laughs> Pat, brother, thank you for being with us, man. God bless you. I hope that, uh, I will be praying for you and, and that your situation gets better and that you find a great job. I mean that I will. you sound like a really good dude. Yeah. Yeah. I and, appreciate and so I'm going to say this, uh, Pat, love you, buddy. Yeah, I love you boys. Yeah. Love you guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You too, yeah, thank brother. you guys. We'll talk you guys to you have later, a good man. day. God bless. Peace, man. All right, boys. That was Peace. awesome. Our first guest. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty. He was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I really mean that. I'm going to yeah. say a prayer for him. That's rough going through that. Yeah, there's a lot there that he's not saying either, and I'm not going to say either. But no, no. Yeah, but it's not been great for Do, him. Yeah, no. And to go through all that shit and have as much passion about what yeah. you're talking about as that. That's yeah. pretty sweet. I hope he finds a cool gig. And the yeah, dude's right. got good cadence yeah. like he was on the phone everybody so yeah. it sounded like dog shiznitty yeah when he gets on a actual microphone yeah, yeah. dude dude can talk i yeah. like i love that and, and i've tried to tell him for years i'm like dude you're not a worthless because he said that to me before that he believes himself to be a worthless individual <laughs> what? Like, he's full of shit that's what i told him Pat, you're full of shit yeah and 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 i don't know that he understands the value that he can bring to the world but yeah because it's it's not traditionally monetizable in his brain and i don't know Braid, maybe you can speak to that. I don't know that you could monetize that. For sure. You could? could? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm no Braden, but I know that for yeah. sure. Yeah, and that's why I wanted him to get in touch with you because, like, or just in general with us, because I think that people would like him on the podcast just as much as I would. So he's awesome. Yeah. I, what he needs is his own little gig where yeah, he gets yeah. in, in. Um, Well, he doesn't have a lot of money because of his situation either. So he can't just buy, like, does he have a laptop? He does have a laptop. Okay, if he, if he wants to do it, I'll send him this same setup right here. A mic and this and a, and a microphone uh, yeah. uh, to USB. Actually, shit, I'll send him that damn thing right there. It don't take much. He can get on people. He's worse than me trying to give him stuff. Oh. Way worse. Oh, well. Yeah. He didn't sound like it. He is, though. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. My brain's all laughing. I couldn't. I have. I was at a point in one at one point in my life where I could pay for a semester for his. Yeah. And he wouldn't take it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, um, uh, uh, I don't think I'm turning Catholic. I don't think I'm turning Catholic. That's okay. I, was, I really don't I think so. I wasn't bringing him on so that we could have everyone turn Catholic. No, no. Yeah. I didn't weren't? think you were at all. No. Yeah, no. you weren't. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. I just, I, I Braden had some real contemplation though over that, huh? Well, I'm yeah. always I'm always like intrigued by that stuff because I don't 
like I've told you guys, I don't put a ton of thought into it. So yeah. there's always things that like once in a while cross my mind. And like I told you, I tried to do some research for this. So I yeah watched yeah. some YouTube stuff and whatever else. So I had a few questions I was curious about the answer to just more in the sense of what's, what's the differences here. Yeah. Why does it matter? And he answered thoroughly and well, that's why I was like, thanks man. Yeah. That was, was awesome. Good. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having them boys. So that yeah. means a lot to me. Oh, sure, I don't, I'm sure it means a lot to him too. Oh so. dude. Are you kidding me? He showed up. Was it wasn't like he was like dead air. We had to pull stuff. Yeah. From him. Yeah. yeah. He'd come back whenever. Yeah. Yeah. Showed up. Oh, no. Go ahead and say it. No. Go ahead and say it. No. 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 It's all oh, good. Dude, I want to hear it. <laughs> no, I said nothing. It was a stupid, no. it was a show, show below the sh- belt joke. Sh- oh, he'll probably love it. Say oh, it. I just, uh, d- 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 <laughs> say it, Bo. I say, say it, Bo. <laughs> I don't know. I was just going to say diaper on, ready to flow, baby. It's ready to go. <laughs> he, he will laugh at that. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's a badass. Yeah, he is, man. Pat, you're a badass. Everybody who actually, if you're still at this point of it, you're a badass. Yeah, Thanks yeah. for staying on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Boys, I love you. Love you, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Josiah. And just so everybody knows. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe not, not, yeah. Oh, no. Let, let's, I think we should let everybody know. I think, so, What? what what's wrong? I just don't know that uh, that person would be okay with it. So. Oh, no. Who are you talking about? Oh, no, I'm just talking about you being oh. kind of flaky next week. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, we're going to try and still make it happen, yeah. right? Maybe. I'm so, I am genuinely sorry because I, about, even today about having don't to Don't apologize to me. Apologize to our two to three or four listeners that need this fucking podcast in their life. No, I, I genuinely am sorry because I. You apologize to them. When I went over there to my work, I was genuinely pissed. I was like, "Oh my god, dude, why? Why did I? I was glad I didn't talk about it because it would have not have been good." <laughs> so. And that's okay. Yeah. Boys, I love you guys. Love you. So love much. you, brothers. Yeah. Love you too. All right. Peace. Peace, everybody. See you.